How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Good Thursday afternoon and welcome into Grant and Danny. You are listening live to 106.7 The Fan. Thank you much for making this show part of your day. We are steamrolling toward the start of spring training action for the Nationals in West Palm Beach Saturday. Just two days from now, they make their spring debut on February 24th, 7 o'clock tonight. The Caps drop the puck. They are in action. 9 o'clock this evening, the Wizards have a game, so a DC double dip tonight. And remember, speaking of the Capitals, we are giving away tickets to see them play at Capital One Arena on March 3rd against Arizona. If you want those tickets, you better be listening at 4 o'clock for our Beltway Blitz. What's up, Danny? Hey, buddy. A, uh, a quick tip of the old cap and a thank you yesterday to a lot of folks behind the scenes with the local Washington 53. Uh, there's a lot of folks that, you know, that most most of you guys that tune into games on Sunday or Thursday or Monday or whatever will never see, never meet, never hear about that were really helpful to us, really kind, really gracious to us yesterday as we were trying to work out technical issues to get ourselves on the radio. We did that. It was a lot of fun. I snapped an old photo. You could follow that on the uh, the old Instagrams at Humorous Danny, but uh, of the old, of the, of the bubble. And it just... The sun was hitting it just such a way as I was leaving yesterday, and I was like, this is kind of a cool picture. One of those pinch yourself type moments where what if I told my adolescent self I'll have done a radio show on my favorite radio station from then Redskins Park, and I'm you know driving away in uh, in, in a car that I own to a house that I own. What, what, that's something I would have believed. Just a nice thing. So appreciate those guys making that happen. Yeah, speaking of which, we caught up with Daryl Tapp, who's the defensive line coach for the Commanders. And we'll play that conversation with you at 2.45 today. So make sure you're listening later this hour coming up in about 40 minutes 
I uh, had a few minute convo with him and I think you guys will be impressed with his excitement coming back to the organization. He played here. Now he's getting his first chance in the NFL to run a defensive line room. And he's got a couple of other young, recent former players. Sharif Floyd is helping him out, uh, as is Ryan Kerrigan as their pass rushing specialist. They were teammates here in Washington in 2013 under mm-hmm. Mike Shanahan. So you'll hear that conversation at 2.45 today. A quick note on that. Guys like that are... Really impressive to me. How many teams did Daryl Tap play for? Top of your head, right? Like a handful of different cities. Seven, maybe? Yeah, five, six. I would have said six. Been everywhere. You walk up to him, and immediately he's like, hey, how's it going, Grant? Like he, like you guys have been texting that morning that you were going to come see him that day. You, you've been out to lunch that week. Just that kind of emotional intelligence. Yeah, nice, where nice th- guy. Think about how many people he's met, how many you know pudgy schlubs have come up to me like, Daryl, how's it going, buddy? couple quick questions for you. And done the same bit that we did yesterday. And he was like, Grant, what's up, man? Remembered you right away. Really impressive. Six teams, by the way. He played for Dan Quinn in Seattle. Mm-hmm. He played in Philly with the Eagles, then in Washington for just the one season in 2013 when I covered him. Then in Detroit for two years. And then he finished his career in New Orleans and Tampa. Back-to-back seasons in 2016 and 2017. And I believe he said that he was with Quinn again at the very end of his career. uh, Just trying to make the squad, I I guess, probably didn't show up in regular season games. But they obviously know each other, familiar with each other. And uh, Daryl Tapp's a guy that was a coach in the 49ers building last year. Mm -hmm. He was the assistant D-line coach. And Adam Peters thought high enough of him to advocate on his behalf to get him over here to D.C. So excited about him, and you'll hear from him today this hour at 2.45. I actually wanted to start the show. We've talked a lot about the NFL draft, and we should. I cannot wait for the draft already. The fact that Washington picks second is exciting. It's going to be really, really fun this spring leading up to the draft. Can you imagine that the jitters, the excitement, if we don't know yet like what they're going to do, on the day before and the day of the draft, it's going to feel like Christmas around here to try to figure out is it the anticipation, May, man. Jaden Daniels. And I don't think there's an answer, by the way, that anyone should be upset with. Like, it doesn't matter if you look at this as a decision 2024, so to speak, election season, and you're voting for either May or you're voting for Daniels. I don't think this is a scenario where if your guy doesn't win the election, so to speak, that you're angry. Like, everyone's going to be pumped up one way or the other. You should be anyway. It's a, what do you prefer? Do you prefer a guy who's had a little more success maybe, you know, with with throwing metrics in the pocket or someone who's a little more electric with his legs? Both of them are able to do plenty of both passing and running. But I'll speak for myself. It's going to be hard for me to be upset if when the Patriots are on the clock at number three, if they already have a quarterback. If they trade up and get Caleb Williams, I'm not going to like that very much. But I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be annoyed that they clearly think that this guy's special and unique mm-hmm. and the next great quarterback in the league. If they trade back, that's the one path to me being annoyed and frustrated. But even that, I can be okay with, depending on how they get their quarterback and when. You know, Maybe it's later in the top 10. Maybe they still grab a guy in the 7 or 8 or 10 or 12 range or something. There's a lot of good options. This is not the Argo situation of the previous the best of the bad, yeah. Where it's just the best of all your bad options. So the draft is going to be really, really cool, and I understand why we're talking about it so much. The whole thing hinges on what you do at number two. Without a doubt. I mean, you stay at two. 
Can you imagine being upset? You you could prefer one over the other. I mean, just presumably doing the May Daniels shtick here, right? Can you imagine being upset? Oh no, this chiseled, big body, strong armed guy that looks like a prototypical NFL quarterback with with a skill set that people comp to Justin Herbert. No, or the the Heisman Trophy winner. Really? Yeah. The guy that threw for 40 touchdowns and four interceptions and ran for 1,000 yards? Really, that guy? Throws a great deep ball? Playmaking athletic superstar? Ugh. No, 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 no. These are, these are all good things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I ordered the other steak. Steak's coming to your table. We're good. I think either quarterback, most people would say this. I like this guy better. Mm-hmm. I'd be really happy to have the other guy. And I would add Caleb Williams into that conversation. I think you'd say that about all three, right? But because my assessment is he's going 1-1 to Chicago or whoever trades with the Bears for that pick, it's Mayor, it's Daniels. And I believe that 90-plus percent of people feel like maybe they have a favorite of the two. There's a proclivity that you've got of, mm-hmm. of those two options. But if they get the other guy, you're not upset. I've seen a few people who think that one of those two isn't good. With all due respect, I just, it may work out that neither is any good. Of course. One could bomb and the other could be great. We'll find that out in time. But from a sheer prospect profile, just looking at the the size, height, weight, arm strength, and film, if you want to call it that, but the performance of Drake May and the way he slings the football, the way he's at 40-plus conversions as a scrambler on third and fourth down the last couple years, looking at the Jaden Daniels, performances and the electricity and the Heisman Trophy campaign he just had last year. And at 6'4", the the prototype height, maybe not weight, but the way he runs and turns a gain of three into 50 or, you know, a first down into a touchdown, there's no reason not to like these two options. So it's going to be awesome. The whole offseason has been this way, really. Yep. Doesn't matter if you got the guy you wanted as a coach or as a GM, really, or not. You've got a brand new fresh start. From a coaching staff standpoint, an ownership group that is doing things the right way. It's hard to get everything right. They're not going to. This is not a bat 1000 job. Like I always say, as an owner, as a GM, as a head coach, as a player, it's just not. But with a new ownership group, with a brand new general manager who we think is going to be pretty good at picking players, with a new coaching staff that seems like it's a pretty competent, legit one, very credentialed, a lot of beefy resumes in the bubble where we were roaming around talking to those guys yesterday. And now with a electric quarterback talent, one way or the other coming in here, this is a fun time to be a fan of this football team. And and it's legitimate. And again, as you said, there's no guarantee. By the way, sat through a lot of times that weren't like this. 100%. I mean, last year at this point, which lawsuit were we talking about? Which, you know, uh, uh, lawyer statement were we reading? Which investigation were we referencing? Is it was this the one that's in Northern Virginia, the state attorney of Virginia, or is this the federal one? Is this the federal one that crossed over to the state one, or the state one from D.C. handed over to the federal? We're not doing any of that stuff. It's just normal football things. I was thinking about this this morning. If, let's say, Drake May uh, was a sophomore at North Carolina this year, couldn't come out, or let's say Jaden Daniels, um, you know, was, I don't know, in last year's draft, I'd be so thrilled with either one of those guys. Does that make sense? Like, we're we're picking nits apart on, on each one of these two dudes as to who you prefer, and I think that's all well and good. It's part of the conversation. But it just reminds you that sometimes you get that Wizards uh, win the lottery, get the number one pick, and it's the Kwame Brown year where there's nobody really in the top two that was great. It wasn't until Pau Gasol, uh, the Hall of Fame caliber player, goes number three. But 
this is a good year to have a good pick. It's not last year if you picked second or, or third or fifth or, or whatever, where the first quarterback off the board is Kenny Pickett, and everyone's kind of going, eh, that's not great. You wait around for whether it's Malik Willis or somebody else that may or may not be any good at any point. This is a good year to have a good pick and to need a quarterback. So at, at minimum, you, you're you going to come out with a rookie quarterback in all likelihood, right? Whether they go the path that you and I think more conventionally, stay at two, take it, get your godfather offer, move back, as you said, to six, seven, eight, 10, 12. You still you know, roll the dice that you can get a guy that you've got slightly maybe below or even even with one of these elite three guys that seems to have separated from the pack at this point. There are a lot of good strategies here to come out with a reason to be excited. I wanted to start the show by talking free agency, not the draft, if we could. And we'll get to the draft as we always do on this show eventually. But we're talking about only being a couple weeks away now from ramping up free agency. Right Here we are. It's February 22nd. In two and a half weeks, the league year kicks off on March 11th. And I think legal tampering even begins maybe into the weekend before that. So we're less than three weeks, about two and a half so, uh, weeks away from free agency. And what I want to start with, and we can open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines on this. How aggressive would you like to see the commanders be? this free agency period, because I always get the vibe from this fan base that they disagree with me on the urgency with which money should be spent to try to improve the roster. You can both be a team that believes in building through the draft and spend big in free agency in this first season as a regime. You can both prioritize the draft and care more about that avenue and developing young players and building your own, so to speak, but also go out and bring in legitimate star talent with the money that you've got to spend this offseason. You've got a gift of the most cap space to spend in the National Football League this year at $73 million. And by the way, that's before they make any moves to free up space if they want to do that, which they absolutely can do. There's some dead weight, so to speak. You can Trim the fat on the budget if you'd like to and find another $7, $10, 12000000 million. Some teams have already started doing that. We've seen the Rams and some of the clubs that are in a little more uh, ominous cap situations start to do that, Danny. But nobody's got more money right now than the $73 million of the commanders, according to Over the Cap. It's actually expected to be if they make some of the pretty obvious moves that are available to them, closer to $80 million by the time free agency comes in a couple of weeks. And I hope they spend pretty large amounts of money. Now, I don't know that I would shop at the top of the market. I, I generally don't love doing that. But as an example, they need pass rushers. I'm not just going cheap and making my marquee pass rusher, Dorrance Armstrong, as an example who is a 26-year-old who's got 16 sacks the last two years with the Cowboys, long-armed, quality against the run, pretty good pass rusher the last three years, played for Dan Quinn, would be a hell of a fit as kind of a defensive end two, an edge two in a really good defense. You can get him, according to PFF, at about $9 million per year. I'd be fine with him, but I'm going bigger game hunting than that. I'm trying to reel in a bigger fish than that. That's my fallback option if the market goes sideways and gets crazy. But like I'm in on maybe not the top of the market mm -hmm. at defensive end 
with Brian Burns, who might get tagged and reportedly wants $30 million a year, $5 million more than Montez Sweat got. But I'll give you a name. Bryce Huff from the Jets, who PFF thinks is going to be a $17 million per year player, about three years, $51 million, maybe four years, $68 million, and you guarantee the first couple years of that deal for a 25-year-old coming off 10 sacks. That's the type of move I'm trying to make in a couple of weeks. I'm signing offensive line help. I'm signing edge help. I got this money sitting around. It doesn't necessarily mean it's burning a hole in my pocket, but I am aggressively in a smart way making my football team better and filling some voids so that I don't have as much to do when the draft comes around. Because I'd like to use the draft to add weapons. I'd like to give myself some flexibility to add more wants than just needs. So I'm not sitting around like the Ron Rivera group did and being uber cautious and reluctant to spend. I want it to be a pretty stark contrast. And I wonder if you guys agree with that at 800-636-1067. I want more than what they did. Now, it it was exacerbated by every time they did spend, it was either a disaster or close to it. I mean, William Jackson, Curtis Samuel, for the majority of his time here, finally had a nice season this past year, but really as a wide receiver three. That's not what they paid him to do. I'm more of a... There are so many, this, I say the same thing now about the Nationals. There are so many opportunities to do something that's not going to ruin your salary cap that made you better. You could have signed Dalton Schultz or, uh, I don't know, like Gerald Everett or some sort of you know middle class, perfectly fine tight end for what you're going to pay a punter. The fact that you don't do that is just so stupid to me. Please do that, right? So to me, it's not quite big game hunting for the most part. My big game hunting is like when the Bills go get Stephon Diggs or... Can, or or uh, San Francisco goes to get Trent Williams, or they put, have a player that gets him over the top like Christian McCaffrey. You have to major, you absolutely imperative, must major in your starters and your depth guys via the draft and your own development. Routinely, it's 75, 80, even 90% of playoff teams, Super Bowl caliber teams come through the draft. Your cherry on top, your get you over the top player, your key supplements to fill in holes, more so than this Rivera era, and really Bruce Allen by extension. They were super cheap uh, under him, too. They passed up avenues to get a lot better. That was really, really frustrating for me. The names that you referenced, many of them, they're not ever free agents, really. You know, Trent Williams was acquired via trade, right? Guys like that don't become available because you tag them, and then you give them the secondary tag. Occasionally, a a player like that might be out there. But those are the true superstars, right? I I would say I don't know what's bigger than big game hunting, But that's that tier. To me, like what I'm suggesting is, I guess, big game hunting. I think Bryce Huff is an outstanding player. I think he's got a chance to make Pro Bowls here. He is, according to PFF, as an example, the number 18 available player in free agency. And I think you could debate that and say he's better than that. Maybe fringe top 15 in free agency. So that might be considered big game hunting. But I'm doing that. I want to go out and sign really good players. You don't have the money to do it everywhere. And I think one thing that people don't quite understand is, so you have, you know, 73 million to spend. And I just told you that Huff might command 17 million per year. And so they just do some quick math and say, well, 73 minus 17 means you're down to 56 million. No, like he might only make 5 million in the first year Mm -hmm. or 4 million. And it's 68 million at that point. There are ways that teams can get really creative and and move money around. So it's not a a dollar-for-dollar situation. But I want them to be aggressive. 
I want them to attack the lines in free agency largely. Doesn't mean they can't also do that in the draft and layer their talent and layer their depth. But I want them to emerge from free agency with one high-impact starting offensive lineman and one impact edge rusher, among other things. You, you can kind of dabble down a tier after that. But my big game hunting is going to take place where I want two or three marquee star caliber players coming in this free agency period. We had John Kime on the show yesterday out in Ashburn, and he said he doesn't think this front office, this group's going to be like the Jaguars, where they just on the first day of free agency like play, you know, throw Monopoly money around and do the old Dan Snyder bit. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do it that way. You know, it can be Huff and Armstrong as your defensive ends who combined at the peak, you know, might make $36 million between the two of them compared to the $26 million that Montez Sweat makes or whatever. I think that's a smarter way to build. Uh, I am happy to go get a tight end who's proven himself at a position where the value is lower probably than it should be. But I guess my goal would be, Danny, when you get to the draft, I want to be able to maneuver, dabble, get creative, wants over needs, Mm -hmm. because I've already gotten a lot of work done. That's the essential uh, equation for me, right, is when you get to the draft, like last year, I'm sitting there going, I'm disappointed because they took a cornerback and their offense sucks. I don't want to feel that. Does that make sense? Like, I want to go, oh, nice. I didn't didn't even thought of corner. That's pretty cool. I don't have to draft an edge. Just because there's a void 36, there. Yeah, exactly. If I if one of those wide receivers who's unbelievable, who can play X, kick McLaurin to Z, kick dots into the slot, and now I got a triumvirate that's nasty to put with Drake May or Jaden Daniels, and they're staring me in the face and I got a first-round grade on a guy, I don't want to have to take an edge because right now Casey Tuhill's my number one defensive end on my depth chart. Like, let's get to a position where we can take advantage of the draft falling the way that you want it to. But we'll get to your thoughts on this next, 800-636-1067. Uh, I'm, I'm looking for an aggressive free agency period. I, I think it's the way to go with the money they've got. Maybe you're a little more in the middle. I would say I'd more say. model. Uh, like if, if we're thinking about how a stake gets done, I'd say like medium well. I think you're looking well done, right? Like you want to go hard. Yeah, I mean, if, if signing Bryce Huff as a defensive end and, you know, one of the better interior linemen available is is going hard, then, yeah, what the hell's the point of having all the money? You know what helps you win football games? Really good football players. Let me write that down. You, you had zero pro bowlers this year. Enough. Enough already with that. 800-636-1067. That's how you can join us on Grant and Danny. I got a text from a buddy this morning. Who told me he wants to play you in pickleball because he saw a flyer that you're going to be taking on professional pickleball players. Oh, buddy, he does. He wants he wants a piece. Is he athletic? I don't know if he's good at pickleball okay. or not. He is awesome at uh, helping like, fix my car when I have tire issues. I see. My buddy Keith over at Alban Tire. Gotcha. He hit me up and he said, I want a piece of Danny on the pickleball court. Well, it's pretty easy to get a piece. Uh, I'm not that good. I'm just good enough to lose to everybody. Because, like, at one point, I'm just playing with dads, and it's like, it's fun. You play hooker from work and come hang out with me. Now I've found a, a group of dudes that play all the time, and they're all nasty, and I'm the worst one. So it's both exciting and fun to play with guys that are better and also humiliating. So, yeah, next Thursday, I'm playing w- quite literally with professional pickleball players. I'm I'm going to be in a group of four 
The other three are professionals who earn money from playing pickleball. And I'm me. I don't earn money yet. I don't earn much. Pretty cool, though. Yeah, it'd be fun. Good way to break a sweat. Uh, how aggressive do you want the commanders to be in free agency? Maybe the best way to do this is to quantify it one to ten. Yeah, one to ten piece. Where are you at on the one to ten? Scale? Six. Okay. I, I want. I, I don't want to shy away. I, I want to. There's there's a happy medium to me that with smart free agent building to supplement, to enhance, to provide both depth and starters at spots. You need to raise the talent level on this roster. Period. Full stop. That's the most essential thing that has to happen this offseason. You have great tools to do that. To me, big game hunting or like that superstar player changing teams, that's the like put you over the top type move that makes more sense to me then. So you, you don't want to sign like Bryce Huff as an example at $17 million a year to be your edge from the Jets. Or if it takes $18 million and it's, you know, 3 and 54 or something like that, you're not in on that. I, I'd be more, I'd be a little bit more reticent to do that. Right, but so but I'm, I'm not anti. On that type of move, I'm probably an eight and a half, maybe. I don't want to say a 9 out of 10, but if I got to go 8 or 9, I'm going 9. So maybe I'll say 8.6. You know, Kyle Duggar, the the safety from the Patriots, if you lose Cam Curl and you want to address the position. But for me, it's more O-line, D-line. You know, one of the best interior linemen available is Kevin Dotson from the Rams. Color me intrigued. Uh, I, I want to address the lines. I want to spend money. You've got it. And you don't have enough talent. And the, the number one thing they should absolutely be doing all offseason by way of both the draft and free agency is building a nest for this young quarterback, ensuring the best possible way forward for Mayor Daniels. So spend on the line. I mean, you could do that all, uh, by having a better defense and yep. not putting a lot on their plates as well. I think that's important than just having to win shootouts. But to, to go out and whether it's the draft or not, you need a new tight end. You probably need additional help at wide receiver. You need someone who can catch the ball to the backfield and give you a change of pace at running back. And most importantly on offense, you need to beef up that line. And I'm not just waiting for the draft. It starts for me right here, right now. Let's go to Jim and Tyson's on Grant and Danny. How are you, Jim? Thanks for the call. Hey, guys. I love your show. Thanks, bud. Uh, you know, it's really funny. Before you even said that, Grant, my number was 8.8. Um, We're right there together. It's very specific. I like it. We, we, yeah, uh, real quick, and tell me if I'm wrong on this, but we have two twos and a one. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, they've got the second pick, and then in the second round, they've got picks 36 and 40. Okay. Well, the way I look at it is uh, 70% of first and second round picks get a contract beyond their rookie contract. So basically, those are good, solid players. Uh, the way I look at the free agency, I think we need two Grant-style uh, free agents, maybe a additional one that's about two-thirds of a Grant-style one. So you have five to six. You obviously have to take the quarter a quarterback with the draft pick. You take another offensive lineman with a draft pick. You do a offensive lineman through free agency. Maybe that 66% of a Grant pick is your tight end. There you go. And then you, yeah, and then you roll the dice on what you were talking about, a game changer, maybe a receiver or something that is going to really make the team competitive uh, that we can win games. I, I don't buy into that, you know, this is the time to, to be super measured and wait two or three years. I don't believe for a minute this team's going to win more than seven games next year. But it doesn't make any sense for me with all this money to make this into a multi-year project. Appreciate you, buddy. So I will say the, the tight end market, for what it's worth, just because he, he referenced tight end, uh -huh. I don't love the free agent crop. 
I think you could add a starter for sure. A guy like Dalton Schultz, who's played this past season with the Houston Texans as an example, um, who had you know been tagged and is getting another chance to get paid. But the other best tight ends are Hunter Henry, who's just been okay with the Patriots. Noah Fant from Seattle I would be intrigued by maybe. You mentioned Gerald Everett, like Austin Hooper down the board. Mike Gusecki, who was with New England. I'm not that interested in a lot of those guys. I might look to the draft to try to go get an athlete And there. that should influence what you're thinking about, right? If, 100%. For, let's say the sake of argument, the tight end position is awash with talent, especially where you're going to be in rounds two and three. Then maybe you don't have to go you know, top-end shopping at tight end. You could get a depth guy to, to supplement John Bates and then go get uh, your tight end one. For sure. And they've got to look at where the draft is deep, where mm-hmm. the board might work out for them and, and work back from that for free agency. But you can't just leave a ton to be determined. Right. You can't say, all right, come the draft. We got to hit these four things out of the park because it just doesn't work like that. Will's in Stafford. What's up, Will? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, Danny, before your first match, you got to come in the studio dressed like the Vlasic pickle stork, like Bob Saget. And, the, you know, I think that'd be a pretty good Oh, good bet. Absolutely. That's a deep, yeah. full house That's a deep cut right there. Yeah, but I was going to say real quick, man, I think about a six and a half to seven. Uh, I'd like a guy like uh, Patrick Queen or Hassan Reddick, maybe and then a defensive end. But one thing this team kind of shied away from and hasn't done is built uh, good mid-tier talent, you know, above average to good talent to fill out the numerous holes this roster has. I think when Bruce Allen got here, I think that really scared away a lot of free agents too, especially after the Trent Williams debacle. I think their uh, team facility uh, being how much it needs an upgrade is also kind of a factor. I'm hoping that's in the plans for ownership. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of holes, a lot of things you got to fill. And like you said, Grant, uh, you know, people think a contra- uh, you know a contract eats a whole cap space. you got to understand backloaded deals and deferred money. So they can sign a lot. There's a lot they can do. Appreciate you, buddy. Patrick Queen's going to get paid a ton of money just to react to his uh, idea there, who's a top 50 free agent. He was the inside linebacker with the Baltimore Ravens, pass rushing prowess. You know, a guy who can come downhill, hit the quarterback, 48 pressures, eight sacks over the past two seasons. And yeah, once they added Roquan Smith, this is running mate back there. Yeah. Like, he took off. And he moved him off the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So he's outside because they got Roquan. But if you look at it, 48 pressures, eight sacks the last two years, that is second among off-ball linebackers. To your point, Roquan changed the game for him. PFF, their guy Brad Spielberger, who we have on the show a bunch, is a former cap guy in the NFL. He does really good previews of what players might make. They're suggesting four years at $18 million per for him, roughly. So that quick math, that's four years, $72 million. I'm not opposed to that. That's pretty rich for me. And I'm going big game hunting. If it's really important to have a great linebacker, then you can consider doing that. It wasn't really, though, until... Roquan got there that he started playing at that level. So that's what would worry me. He's now the alpha, the primary uh-huh. guy. I don't love it as much, but he's 24 and a half years old. Um, but I do think linebacker is a position they could potentially try to hit in free agency. You can upgrade without overspending there. I mean, we saw it with Roquan Smith, right? Like if you want, I'm going to overuse the term. I'll use it a second time here. The alpha, if you want the the guy who's grabbing face masks and everyone's taking cues from him in the middle of your defense, that might not be a rookie who's a really good linebacker. That might be a veteran you're paying a bunch of money That's right. to come in here. I'm just glad that they got a regime now that I think is going to value the position again, which makes it easier to have a good defense. 800-636-1067. How aggressive 
do you want this regime to be in free agency? That's the question on G&D. We told you you'd hear from Daryl Tapp right here. This segment will actually push that to the top of the hour. And 3 o'clock, the new defensive line coach with the Commanders. So keep it right here. A happy Thursday to everyone. Caps, 7 o'clock tonight in Tampa. Wizards, 9 o'clock tonight in action after their respite as well. They get back to action. Last time we saw them, Denny Avdia was lighting it up, having a career night. Had a day. Uh, They are at the Nuggets. By the way, I heard Denny Avdia on the station last night with Linnell. Really good interview. Um, Avdia's just gotten so much more comfortable, you can tell. Coming off 43-15. and And that game before the break. Pretty cool, man. He's had a hell of a season. Yeah. All, growing into some, some of the things that they thought. I mean, I think initially they thought of him as maybe this sort of, you know, point forward, kind of Scotty Pippen type role, right? Doing a little bit of everything. Now he's kind of more of an offensive force. And he's stronger, clearly, going through some contact at the rim, shooting it a lot better. Good for him, man. We forget we're so rushed because a lot of these guys come in at 19 and are great already. That's not the normal course of events. True. And... They got him signed to a pretty team-friendly contract. Mm-hmm. If he like, if he just plays at this level moving forward, it's a pretty good contract. Yep. If he continues to get better and better, and he's only 23 years old, so that's very possible, that contract's going to look really, really smart. So not a bad first major move or one of the first major moves uh, of this front office for sure. But speaking of front office decisions, question we've got for you is how aggressive do you want the commanders to be in free agency? I want them to turn up the heat. I want them to go get an edge rusher. Go beef up this offensive line, not to sit around with you know, their hands under their butt like the Rivera Marty Party era went, where it was very, very rare that they would kind of come out of the cave to spend big money. It just so happened when they did, they missed. But a couple of people have tweeted me at Grand H. Paulson and 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 they're using the old refrain. It's a great narrative, it just isn't correct. Where they say, Oh, every time we spend big in free agency, it doesn't work. Yeah, except the times that it did. Except when you got London Fletcher who People took their cues from on defense here for years as one of the great players of the 2000s in Washington, except when you went and got Pierre Garçon and gave him $40 million, which was a lot at the time for a guy of his ilk, and all he did was take flight and end up being a 100-catch guy here. There have been plenty of times where sure. being aggressive helped this team a lot, except when Marcus Washington became a pro bowler. I could go on and on. Let's go to Jay in D.C. on G&D. What's up, Jay? Hey, Jay. What's up, you guys? I have a whole, like, free agency plan. I don't want to um, just pay pay guys like the Jags did um, uh, just to come in. But I'm not cutting any players this year because we barely have any. I think Logan Paulson and Charles Leno are basically on one-year deals, and there's no bad one-year deals. And the draft is good at tackling tight end prospects, but in the second round, those guys might need a year to develop. So I'm working back from I take Drake May, second round, take Jadavion San- Sanders and Patrick Paul, Chris Paul's brother, the tackle and Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver. And the first thing I'm going to do, I'm bringing back Joey Sly, and then I'm bringing back Cameron Curl. Um, I think this I think this, um, this squad can get a lot out of the safeties we already have. And then I'm trying my best to bring in Josh Allen and Brian Burns, but if we can't, I think Huff is cool, but I've heard he's like a situational pass rusher. If not, I'll bring in Dorrance Armstrong, Dante Fowler, and Stephon Gilmore. But my biggest, my biggest question for you guys was what tackle would you want? Because, uh, like, they have Jonah Williams out. They have um, Tyron Smith. Makai Becton is a, it's a bunch of guys we can get. Which tackle would you get? I think that's what we're what we're missing. Like, we can move Wiley to guard. Brayden Daniels can play guard. Stromberg can play center. But, like, 
We yeah, need a I think you can draft the starting tackle. Thanks for the call, buddy. In the, you, the back end of the top 40 where you have those two picks. You know, you might even move back with one of those picks from like 36 to 47 or something and pick up another pick or two in the mid rounds. But I think you could find a starting right tackle there in this class. I guess if you're talking specifically free agents, again, I, I am perfectly fine. Big game hunting at these two important positions. So, you know, what does that look like? Maybe that's, uh, you know, Trent Brown, who ends up coming in here and, and you pay him $9 million a year or, or something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I've i kind of been penciling in tackle in the draft and guard center in free agency, but I'm not opposed to signing one of the best tackles on the market, that'd be fine with me. I'm I'm fine there too. Again, it, it all depends on where you find the value, right? If if we're in a bidding war for I don't know, I'm, I'm naming a name, Jonah Williams, right? Former first rounder, I think, uh, or maybe second rounder, I can't remember with Cincinnati, and you and it gets too rich for your blood. Look elsewhere. You can go pay a little bit up for a guard or find a center. Connor Williams, I think, uh, out of Miami, had a really good season by all accounts. There there are different ways to do it, and because you have enough needs, to Jay's point. I don't think there are too many wrong answers there. A lot of guys will be upgrades to what you have. I think there's only a couple guys, though, that make sense in free agency, to be honest. Like, if you wanted a shorter-term deal where you bring a guy in for a couple of years, much older, you know, Teron Smith from Dallas could get you by as a placeholder. Uh, I mentioned Trent Brown from New England as someone you could bring in. I could tell you who I'm not interested in. Mekhi Bethden, who just hasn't stayed healthy and produced the way that I would prefer uh, him too. Uh, I don't like Donovan Smith, who's the Chiefs tackle, who's hitting free agency. I think that's kind of a, a comp to Wiley of a year ago. Probably not in on that either. Let's go to Jack in Capitol Heights. What's hey, up, Jack. Jack? What's up, Brandon? Hey, man. Follow both of y'all on Twitter, uh, Twitter, man. Love the show for years, man. Appreciate, appreciate you, buddy. You. Um, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm going big fish hunting, man. I'm trying to pair Jaden Dangs with Saquon Barkley, man. Saquon Barkley and Patrick Queen, man. I'm definitely going big fish hunting in the free agency, man. So you're making splashes. I like that. I like the idea of splashes and improving. I'm not paying a running back a second contract. Where I think people get running back wrong all the time, you hear all these tough guys saying they'd never draft running backs in the first round or second round. I think having rules in the draft is stupid. The whole point is to add the best players, and you don't know year to year where the best players are, who the blue chippers are, who the future Hall of Fame talents are. Is it stupid that the Lions took uh, one of the great players in the class, Jameer Gibbs, who ended up making them a juggernaut offensively as the year went on? I don't think so. One thing I think makes a lot of sense at running back, I would never give a guy a second contract, or certainly a huge contract. So in the case of Barkley as an example, you're talking about after a tag, paying him double-digit million dollars a year. You know, this could be... A $12 million AAV. Sure, for a guy that's been hurt and slowed and banged up. You yeah. Know, I, I'm going to miss on the Adrian Petersons. I'm going to miss on Christian McCaffrey. When it comes to Derrick Henry, you, you'll, you'll pro- someone else will take advantage and get some great years out of those guys. There's too much fall off a cliff for me to ever give that second contract. The second contract, right. But the first contract is where the value is, where you get these great players for not a whole lot if you draft them, and oftentimes you got to draft them early. But like three and thirty-six is what PFF says Barkley's contract could look like. No, thank you. But we're in lockstep on on trying to spend some cash. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in? What did Daryl Tapp tell us, the new defensive line coach, about how he wants to use the two prime D tackles on this team? You'll find out next on the fan. 
Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondori and Murad, the official Grant and Danny show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust, schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com. Mention the show to get a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. <laughs> We're giving away CAPS tickets in one hour right at 4 o'clock ahead of the Beltway Blitz on G&D. All right. So I don't know how to explain this very well, but the, the currency around here, around these parts, obviously money matters, but the second currency is is bits and bit acknowledgement. Bit acknowledgement. Right? That's really what we're looking for. Like, if you get, if you do the bit and it's good and you get no sold, it's, it's, lo- it's worse than being, you know, smacked in the face. It sucks. Disrespectful. Disrespectful. During the break, a lot of things are happening. Bullets are flying. Darius For some reason, we started debating who went second overall in the 2001 NBA draft yep. behind Kwame Brown, which was Tyson Chandler. But I remember that Eddie Curry went to the Bulls, but that was the fourth pick, not the second and pick. And I had it conflated because the Bulls, I thought, oh, with the Bulls pick second. They took Chandler. I couldn't remember that he went to the Clippers first. So we had all, it was a whole discussion. Ryan's doing something. The computer's taking nine hours to load. Darius is doing something. A spring training game is on uh, the Worldwide Leader. I think it's – I'm not sure who's who's in the booth. It's the exactly. Dodgers, yeah, for but, sure. Dodgers, but, Padres. No, but Tim Kirchin's in the booth. Uh, and somebody else, I think it's maybe Eduardo Perez. It's Eduardo Perez, and Tim there's a, Kirchin. And there's, well, hold on. There's a third guy in the booth, that your play-by-play voice. He's turned away from the camera most of the time when they're showing these guys talking about it because he's interviewing everybody, getting, getting them going. He turns once real quick, and Grant goes, oh, dude, look, it's Kevin Brown. So, but but when I first said that, everyone just didn't pay any attention, didn't say anything. And I was like, that's pretty great, guys. Kevin Brown's doing ESPN games. Now, for those of you that don't know, Kevin Brown is on our little engine that could, little Masson number. Little Masson. He calls Orioles games. Little Masson. He went viral, and everyone fell in love with him and started, like, chanting his name at games last year because the Orioles inexplicably suspended him for literally saying what their record no, was. No, you know what he did. He said last year their record against the Rays was this, and this year it's better, and here's the new record. You can't do that. They you can't do that on the radio. Never forget they suspended him. Suspended. So my my mention of like Kevin Brown getting the bump up to an ESPN TV game, that's big for him, got nothing. So just I said, tumble. All right, fine. Just let it lay there for a second. Ten seconds goes by. I try it again. Room's now a little bit quiet, and yep. I go, fellas, Kevin Brown on ESPN. Still nothing. Still Ryan immediately nothing. talks about like who who he scrolled left on. Darius is over there. He's like, oh, I got uh, Madden game later, whatever. Just that's just fine. Nothing. I was like, okay, they don't care about Kevin Brown. They don't care about the spring training game number one. Perfectly fine. I'm a nerd. That's fine. Except wait. Yep, okay, go ahead. So cut to I do a Shohei Otani uh, uh, hitting impression bit that gets a nice reaction. That I think without now I know I made that about myself for a second. Yeah, I'm glad you added that. But that hold was on. very relevant but, to the story. But it is. Here's why. Because Everybody, Danny did an impression yes. of Shohei Otani, and the guys liked it. Yeah. So, but it, like hitting. So I like here's what here's what his stance looked like. Here's what it looks like. Here's what Ichiro's look like. Good reaction. Mm-hmm. So a reaction can be had. It sets the stage for the dichotomy between the no reaction that you got, positive reaction that I got. And then... So I walk back. I leave the producer studio. Grant leaves. I walk back into our studio. Yep. We're coming back from break. The yep. music's about to play. Uh-huh. And I hear very loudly, and like overly excitedly, by the way, not yep. like, oh, look, like a holy shnikes, this is amazing. I, I just found $10. Can you believe this? Garris looks up at the TV and goes, oh, look at that. Kevin Brown on ESPN. 
and starts clapping. Ryan says, and I quote, let's go. And Ryan, exactly. Ryan follows with, let's go. <laughs> Not only do they care, <laughs> they're elated to find this out. This has been not even 90s, eh, maybe about two minutes. Two minutes since my two second minutes. attempt. He went the second time. To let everyone in the room know that I was first on the scene to see that it little Kevin, Kevin Brown, Brown, who, by the way, looks like a child at all times. Seriously, little Kevin? But nice guy. Maybe it's because I'm just a gargantuan, disgusting tub of goo. No. But he, I guarantee that guy's not more than 155 pounds. He, he looks like he's 22. I remember texting um, Hoffman one time because I think they went to Syracuse together. I asked him, I'm like, how big is he? Like, is he a, a, a little wee little boy? Like, he looks tiny. And maybe he's got some height so he could have a little weight. But he is the, he is a size XS or something. Like, yeah. he is the smallest 26 waist. But anyway, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is not only did they care that he was on, it was like a massive celebration. It was a huge pop. <laughs> and I literally turned around. Danny looked at me, and I went... I threw my hands in the air and said, are you bleeping kidding me? Like, mad. Well, yeah, I was pissed. I was, I was furious. I literally, I tried to bring some, a morsel to their attention. Two twice. times. And I, I was so confident. Twice. After the first time, I was so confident that they would care that I tried again. The, and they kicked me in the nuts. The first, and the then. First one, the first one, he goes, they, I understand it. They're doing their jobs. Everyone's distracted. Danny's a weirdo. He's thinking of his own thing. Danny's selfish. He's going to try to do something in a minute to make it about himself. This is my time. There's no way they would have no sold me on that on purpose. And so Grant went but a second time. <laughs> but maybe, Papa, they'll find out Kevin Brown got the bump up to the big leagues he's been waiting if for. If I tell them true, they'll be excited about it, they will. I knows it. He was just our little mass and broadcaster. Now he's on national act. <laughs> Nothing. It's so quiet. And then, but how, like if Dara said, oh, Kevin Brown, wouldn't have been a big deal. He goes, oh, Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. He's doing, and, and Ryan's like, let's go. Like he was doing the clap where it's not just a clap. It's like the bobbing up and down, shaking in the chair clap. The only clap. thing that would have made it more over the top is if they just start going, hey, hey, Kevin, Kevin Brown, Kevin. Kevin, let's go. They were so excited. No soul. No soul. You so to the hard. Heaven. Unbelievable. Now, now, ju just to give you guys some insight, Ryan does this to me every day, basically, where I will call something out and then he'll call it out two minutes later, and I'll be like, I, I called that out already. So that happens basically twice a day, anyway. Uh, but God, that was hilarious. I, See, he's got tears over I, it. I, because here's why it's hilarious. Darius knows exactly. Like he was here for it. Yeah. He knows how excited he was to see it. He knows how over the top Kevin his Brown, let's go! His reaction to Kevin Brown, which would not make sense in any other workplace in America. Kevin Brown's mom yep. or dad wouldn't be that excited to see Kevin Brown on TV. Oh, good for Kev. Darius was like, it's as if he's he's uh, drafting mid-market play-by-play guys in a fantasy league. He's like, Kevin Brown, calling the game, let's go! It's my guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a broadcast mark like you. I thought so, too. I, I until to, you, until you said, you know what, that one's not for I me. I wanted to share a moment with my pal. I was busy. I was downloading highlights. The yard for a sale. We're going later. Darius picked right. up the item and was like, mm, "No." He was hard at work. That's <laughs> what we love set about it back him. down. He's a grinder, like a fourth liner on the Capitals. All right, Caps Coyotes tickets were given away Oof. at four o'clock. We did catch up with Daryl Tapp yesterday. He is the defensive line coach for the Commanders. Was on the team in 2013. 
covered him then, which is why we started the conversation reminiscing about him being here and now having a new role. Last time I saw you in this bubble, you were also wearing burgundy and gold. <laughs> different team name, different role. No doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> it's a real kind of feeling to be back, uh, but it's an awesome feeling at the same time. Like I'm hometown kid from Virginia. It's been my favorite team growing up, so there's a true sense of pride to come here, work my butt off, and get my all for the staff, uh, for the players we'll be coaching, and for the, for, for the DMV as a whole. Talk about this mix on the coaching staff. There are young guys, by the way, that includes you. Yeah. Younger guys who were just <laughs> playing, in my memory, uh, mixed with some guys that have been around a little bit, this kind of coaching cycle. It's really, from the outside looking in, pretty dynamic, right? You've got the, the you know, the, again, kind of that two different tiers of it. I'd love for you to talk about that experience. Yes, sir. Uh, like I said, we're just getting started right now. Uh, we got in the office, the, the rest of us got that got hired, got in the office on, I believe, Monday. Uh, so it's been an awesome experience so far just being around guys that have been around the block a couple of times and know a lot of ball uh, for us guys that are, are new to the staff and kind of up and coming like myself and Kerrigan like to impart our wisdom from being a player and the stuff that we learned along the way like it's been an awesome experience so far just to be around these guys and hopefully continue to build that to get to these players once they get in the building. You were an assistant D-line coach previously so yeah. this is your first time like running a room yeah. doing your own thing. A, just that leap, you know, how ready do you feel like you are and what are some of the differences? But then also, B, what, what does it mean to you that Adam, who saw you in that role in San Fran, said, I want this guy and I want to promote him? Right. Well, first of all, I was co line coach at Virginia Tech. So I, I, I somewhat had the room there. I was working with another guy. Uh, but that's just the way we worked in San Fran with Adam Peters. Um, they don't try to hold anybody down there. They want to elevate everybody that's on that staff. And from day one, working with Adam, he was charged working with the D-line and finding his talent and walking me through the process and helping me in that aspect. Like, it's been an awesome thing. We connected instantly. Uh, so for him to have the opportunity to be the GM here and uh, for him to think enough of me to, 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 to speak about me highly to Dan Quinn, who I played for in Seattle my very last year there, and for those, those guys to mesh uh, as far as thinking that I was ready to go and seeing how I operate in San Fran, like, it's been a – it's a huge honor. Like I said, I'm not going to let that go to the slide at all. I'm going to work my tail off while I'm here. Terrell Tap with us here on Grant and Danny. The group you're taking over, right? This is a pretty good defensive line. A couple guys with some pretty good pedigrees. What, what do you think about Allen, Payne, and the other guys in that room that you're going to be coaching? Exciting to be around. Uh, always been an admirer of the game that those guys put on film. Like, true animals out there. Uh, so we're going to do our very best, myself, my assistant, uh, Sharif Floyd and Dan Quinn and Joe Witt. Let's put those guys in the best position to make plays. Whatever their vision uh, of a player that they want to be that's in their head, we're going to do our very best to help them meet that vision. So that's where our mindset is, and that's what we're trying to get accomplished. Thanks, Coach. Yeah, man. Daryl Tapp, one of the young guys on this staff who has a chance now to grow as a coach and ultimately maybe climb the ladder. We've talked about the layering of youthful coaches with some of the longtime former head coaches, former coordinators in lesser roles. Uh, that's, I think, what Dan Quinn wanted to do when he put the staff together, we have to assume, because the execution was that you've got a huge variance in ages and experiences. It's The word I've used is layering. I don't know if that's right. I mean, you talk about doing that with rosters whenever you possibly can, and it makes sense with coaches too, because if this goes according to plan, a lot of your assistants are going to graduate. Someone's going to try to make Tavita Pritchard an OC if this rookie quarterback plays well. Someone's going to uh, give you know Cliff Kingsbury another chance or Joe Witt a chance to be a head coach. Those kind of things are going to happen. Natural attrition goes on. The the case I'm all, I've been pointing to nonstop over the last you know handful of weeks since this coaching cycle ended was the Tennessee Titans. 
they went from AFC title contender, Mike Vrabel getting way more than you would think out of a uh, an, an okay group, a couple of really good offensive minds turned Ryan Tannehill into, into someone acceptable. He gets benched, Vrabel can't get hired, and the Titans are in a totally different place than they were just a, you know, 16, 17, 18 months ago. That is your cautionary tale. If you don't have young up-and-coming coaches to replace the guys that are inevitably going to move up in, 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 into larger roles, you're screwed. And I think it's smart. It's a good way to do it because you want that experience to implement your vision, your viewpoint, get everyone on the same page, be able to coach the coaches as well. I think it's a really smart way to do it. I'm impressed. Yeah, totally. Real quick before we get back to tap, you mentioned Vrabel, and it just made me think about this. He was a player on the Patriots during their dynasty, and he was featured semi-prominently in episode two that I just watched last night of the incredible documentary that Apple TV is doing on the Patriots era of, of excellence. So that this documentary is called The Dynasty. You said you have not seen it yet. Correct. We I've, I've been on a cutting phase. Apple TV got the cutting room floor. Really? I canceled it. And now I'm regretting that. I mean, Ted Lasso's in the rear view. That's, that was my so thought. I think there's probably some people without any new uh, morning show seasons or Ted Lasso seasons that might be in lockstep. But they're trying to up their game, I think, with some sports docs. Mm-hmm. And one of them, they're, here's the bad news. They love to do this. They're releasing it every Friday. I want the binge. I want the, the quick binge burn. Guy. Give me my six, seven episodes in two nights. Let me stay up from 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. twice and just knock out a season of TV shows. So this is the issue. We've only got two episodes out. I don't know how many it's going to be. It could be six, eight, ten, four. I have no idea. But it's so good. And we talk all the time on this show. If you guys know anything about us, you know that I like buffalo wings and I got a French bulldog, right? You probably also know that we are obsessed with really well-produced sports docs, and especially now, like the real-time following a season, following a storyline stuff that Netflix and some of these other outlets are doing. But this is just old-school documentary style. The the video I haven't seen before, though, and the behind-the-scenes audio and access and some of the, the stuff they've got that somehow has not seen the light of day yet. It's pretty amazing. Everything from home video to, like, the occasional... This is before cell phone cameras are ubiquitous. Exactly. Home videos uh, to, you know, the the camera in the room when Brady was drafted for audio and video I've never seen about them discussing taking him. Uh, But you also just have the opt-in of, and I'm sure Kraft is involved in the documentary, but Kraft, Belichick, Brady all sitting down, being interviewed, as well as some of the other players... Vrabel among them, which is why I thought of this. I'm telling you, if you get a little bit of time, if you got Apple TV, highest recommendation. There's no football right now. Last night, I'm sitting down, nothing to watch football-wise. I said, ah, let's watch it, knock out a couple hours of uh, the first two episodes of this doc. And it is awesome. Really, really good. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the genre that I've been obsessed with of late, as we've talked about a bunch, is the sport that I wouldn't normally watch you know, sort of either chronicling a journey, a season, a team, whatever you want to call it, right? Everything from the F1 show, the NASCAR show, the golf show. Uh, I've, I, again, I've, I've watched season-long documentaries about Tottenham yeah. and Bayern Munich. and all that. I, Like, I'm obsessed with these things. What I didn't remember, and I was very young, for, to be clear. Like, I was 13 that, at some point. I was going to say, you were preteen right at the right end of there. that football season. Yeah. I think I was 12 for Brady's first Super Bowl which was like the the 2001 season or 2000 season, whatever that was, Super Bowl 36. So we're going back now, you know, 22 years ago or whatever. But that season, 
I remember it like it was yesterday, the Patriots taking off in the beginning of Brady. What I did not remember or know was that when Drew Bledsoe went down, so he was a $100 million man, $100 million quarterback, the first QB to get that much money. Signed a 10-year deal for $100 million. Think about that. When he got that contract and he was Mr. Patriots, he had been in a Super Bowl playing for them, his skill set, according to Belichick and his group, as you find out, was deteriorating a little bit because the, mo- mel- uh, the mobility was dissipating some. But I didn't remember this. So they were 0-2. He got hurt in the second week. They were basically 0-1, and then Mo Lewis hits him week two, right after the September 11th uh-huh. tragedies in the first game back. So they're 0-2. Brady takes over for week three. In the six weeks after that, they went 4-2 and two with Brady, so they were a 4 and or five and two with Brady. Yeah, I was going to say they were five and four, four and four somewhere there. They were five and two with Brady, and so they were five and four overall. And then Bledsoe was able to come back, and he got cleared medically. What I don't remember is Robert Kraft went to Belichick and basically told him, "I want Bledsoe on the field." That was his guy. Um, the, the entire league—they got all this audio and video of Collinsworth and. Everybody, you name him, Theismann, and any analyst that was anybody at the time, uh-huh. basically just killing Bill Belichick, right? And at the time, it makes perfect sense. Bledsoe was proven and legit, and Brady was a sixth-rounder nobody knew. But people forget this. Belichick had already been through that in Cleveland with Bernie Kosar, who he benched. Now, he didn't have a plan B. There was no Tom Brady waiting in the wings. So when he got rid of Kosar, Browns fans loved the guy. They, they literally, like, I'm not exaggerating, Hung like a doll like effigies, in effigy yeah. of Bill Belichick. They wanted him fired. They demanded him fired. They couldn't stand him. And it's part of the reason he got run out of Cleveland. And then history's repeating itself where he's now going away from Bledsoe. Uh-huh. Everyone in the media thinks he's nuts. He's riding with Brady. And the first game after Bledsoe was back and he's he's going with Brady, Brady plays terribly and in primetime right? against the Rams. And they, of course they lose. He, he played a horrendous game and threw three picks. And it, they're now 5-5. Uh, five and five. Or whatever it was, and uh, and Drew Bledsoe thinks, okay, now I'm going to get my job back. And the next day, Belichick comes out and says, "We're not doing this all season. Stop asking me, unless Tom Brady gets hurt, he's my starter." And basically, puts his jo- career on the line. It's his second year in New England. Yeah, his first year they went five and eleven. Mm-hmm. Now they're a 500 team. He's already been a coach with the Browns with no success and fired there, or very little success. So his career's on the line. And Kraft. Tells you in this doc, you guys will see it, that he told Bledsoe, listen, man, I talked to him. This is what he's going to do. The only good thing about this is if it doesn't work out, you and I are going to be okay. Meaning, like, I'll fire this guy. This idiot. Yeah, exactly. And the Patriots didn't lose again the rest of the year. I was going to say nine straight wins later, the dynasty begins. Brady was telling Ty Law, Lawyer Malloy, and, like, that team a couple weeks after he took the job. So he's just a sixth rounder they know as Tom. They, mm-hmm. they don't know him. You know, he's not the GOAT, obviously, yet. He's not, like, one of the great quarterbacks to ever live. But he's just going, I'm never giving that job back. And when he would leave the room, they'd, like, laugh at him. They'd be like, this guy is an idiot. This and psycho, yeah. This is Drew's team, stupid. I mean, it is. It's very, very good if you want to check it out. But uh, Daryl Tapp was awesome as well and good catching up with him. How about the youth coaching their rushers now on the D-line with Tapp? Sharif Floyd, who played a handful of years ago, and then Kerrigan as the pass rushing special, mm-hmm. who we didn't talk to yesterday. I know. It was a bummer. Every time, up, every time we were going to try to get over to him, like all of a sudden somebody would swarm. Well, I hit him up yesterday, and I'm like, hey, man, you looked good because everyone was sitting at a table, uh-huh. you know? And he's like, yeah, I noticed you guys never came over to me. 
I was like, oh, this is tough. This is awkward. I was like, uh, we didn't have a lot of time. And we do love Ryan Kerrigan. He's a long time friend guys. of this program. And I, I told you this, but the two different times that I was actually, because again, we had about 20 minutes. We had one segment where we played an interview from the day before to run over there, try to talk to as many guys as we could, get a few minutes with each one. Both times I was starting to pump fake or head over towards Ryan Kerrigan. Somebody would swoop in and then, because he's so nice now, all of a sudden they're talking for 10 minutes. So we missed our window. What's the latest on the Caps and the Wiz moving to Virginia and what's going on with the potential arena that Monumental wants to build in Virginia? Let's get into that next on the fan, our double play, 20 minutes away, and we're giving away Caps tickets. We got the Blitz at four on the fan. Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan double play coming up in just a bit. And we will go blitzing at four o'clock excited to fill in some blanks today. 425 trading down would be we'll fill in that blank. And later in the show, 525 trading up from number two to number one would be we will cover both of those bases. But what is the latest on what's going on with the arena? So. First and foremost, from a news standpoint, Danny, labor groups have come out, many of them, to say they're opposed to an arena project in Northern Virginia. Now, Monumental and the plan did also get a critical endorsement over the last couple of days. So I'd say there's a lot of back and forth. But the AFL-CIO is opposing the proposed arena and entertainment district in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, feeling a blow, at least initially, we're in the early stages here, to legislation under consideration in the state capital in Richmond, the labor groups are saying, Danny, that the developer should have entered into a labor agreement, adding the existing bill is not what they want for workers. Right. So, again, everybody has a chance now that this is part of the public discourse to get their piece. Does that, does that make sense? So I, I'm not criticizing anybody. We're all advocating for ourselves. If we, you and I had a, a, a an advocate on our behalf where it's like, right, portly afternoon radio guys aren't getting enough attention, and then they would make those kind of statements. So, yes, they want more, the uh, the folks that are opposing this down in Richmond, because they want something else as part of their own agenda. And I, again, I'm not being critical. I'm just saying this is sort of the process now that it's entered the political space beyond you and me just talking about drafting quarterbacks. It's now, you know, these guys and gals that, are having their moment in the sun, everybody gets to come out and for or against, then it's going to get them a headline. On the flip side of this, there was a report done by George Mason University's Center for Regional Analysts, uh, Analysts and Analysis found that proposed $2 billion Alexandria Sports Arena and Entertainment District supported by Governor Glenn Youngkin would create more than 5,400 workforce affordable housing units far exceeding the city's goals. Uh, they, they are fans of the project. Developer J.B.G. Smith requested study of projects housing impact. GMU did the study and came back with some findings that I'm sure the group over at Monumental will be happy to see. The report released this week was requested by J.B.G. Smith, the proposed projects developer, uh, which is bringing Monumental Sports and Entertainment's NHL and NBA teams, Caps and the Wizards, from their home stadium in D.C. to Alexandria. According to the report, uh, authored by someone named Terry Cloer, director of the Center for Regional Analysis in GMU's Shar School, if you want to look that up, the proposed development would include the 5,400 housing units completed between 2027 and 2036. So still nine years after 
kind of the, the teams get there, that that'll all be happening. The rental and purchasable residences qualify as workforce housing, meaning that they are expected to be affordable to people who make about 80% or 90% in the area media income uh, between 66K and 154K. So we talk about affordable housing all the time. You and mm -hmm. I gripe about how everyone jokes about in D.C. they want more affordable housing. And then a condo pops up. Housing's ever less affordable. Nobody can afford. Uh, at least the studies suggest that this will create more affordable housing in that area of Alexandria. Certainly the idea there, right? So, I mean, big picture is this. We This is now kind of, I don't want to say the stalemate phase, but everybody is We've now. reached the politics phase. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to put it, right? Every, everybody's going to try to get uh, their benefit out of it and 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 the like. But, you know, the, the, the Virginia seems pretty pot committed, or at least key people are. Uh, and as does Leontis as well. He said the die has been cast, et cetera. I know that uh, the D.C. mayor and, and company, they're trying to, um, you know, I don't want to call it a last-ditch effort, while, oh, while criticizing and saying this is bad, here's still $500 million for somebody that they're sort of portraying as a villain. So it it certainly is complicated. I don't, I don't think anything is eminent. I still do think it ultimately happens, but, you know, concessions are going to need to be made. And I guess the question is, I wonder now that we're two months past the initial announcement, Right, it was kind of a bombshell that went from rumor that you and I were both kind of like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm sure that's a real thing, to no, 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 it's a real thing, it's happening. Here's the press conference tomorrow. Just kind of wondered what where people are. You know what I mean? Like, I think the initial shock and anger and irritation. I don't want to say it's worn off. I know some folks are still as angry as as they were before. Some folks maybe more acceptance, etc. But I mean, to me, the, the the thing that I find interesting about this, and this is just my two cents, I feel like monumental is not highlighting the right stuff. Their PR message, to me, is ringing hollow, falling on deaf ears, and frankly, irritating people, right? You look at when they post one of these things on, on their Twitter accounts or whatever, they're turning the replies off because it just doesn't sound right. Well, in fairness, if, if I may, I mean, when you're moving out of D.C. into Virginia, the replies are not going to be good. Fair enough. I don't care Fine. what their strategy was. If their strategy was, we're going to recruit LeBron James and Connor McDavid, and they both said they'll come to D.C. That's with fair. our new arena, everyone's going to be angry, or at least the people right. in the Right, yeah, the, the commenters. So that's fair. But I guess what I'm saying is there's a, I'm not abandoning D.C., says Ted Leonsis repeatedly. Uh, kind of. I wouldn't focus on that part, right? To me, I would go... Our facilities are inadequate. We're trying to build. We are. We have. We have to go to four different places to practice, to train, to lift weights, to do whatever. I'm going to build a thing where my basketball players can go get practice and then get a, a nutritious meal, then walk over to the arena to get treatment. We're going to build a complex that's state of the art. That to me is the selling point. Are you tired of never having the Wizards win ever? Are you exhausted by that? Let us let us try to do something to change it. Let us try to have the first 50-win team in decades, in addition to having competent basketball people in charge, which they do now, thankfully. We're going to try to have first-in-class facilities for the first time. Let's do that. Instead of having to go to Boston uh, and, and reserve ice rink time uh, because the Mighty Mites or Figure Skating Freddy is going in there, we're going to have our own situation for the Capitals right there on campus. We're trying to build something to compete in a competitive business. I would emphasize that a lot less than, no, we're still totally, we love D.C., man. We love you guys. Still going to be there. Because everyone's kind of, that ship has sailed to me. I'd be curious if anybody's feelings have changed at all since the original announcement, whether that means you're more or less likely to get behind the move or... Maybe you were in and you're more in, you were out and you're more out, whatever it is. 
be curious to hear from you guys at 800-636-1067. couple of clips here from some of the pieces that Monumental has put out there for consumption for uh, its constituents, you guys as fans, to see uh, to maybe assuage fears or, or give you more uh, intel into their thinking. So this one, I think Zach Leontis is the first person you hear from here um, who is one of the high-ups over at Monumental, obviously the son of Ted Leontis, talking about the fact that they knew when they announced this, everyone wasn't going to love it. Plenty of people would. But there was going to be work to, to get done to let everyone know why this is a good idea. Obviously, when something major like this is announced, a lot of people have questions. We are, are very earnest in our intention and in wanting to listen to locals in Alexandria and across the DMV as to their concerns, how we might assuage them. When we engage with the community, we do it in a lot of different ways, and that's through the Alexandria land use process, but also through listening tours, through small business roundtables, through meetings that we have with stakeholders throughout the community. We have a number of open events across the city of Alexandria, and we have a website where everyone can provide their thoughts, their suggestions, and communicate with us about their ideas. They can find the schedule for open meetings and uh, times will be in the community at monumentalopportunity.com. It is our full intention to talk to people, to listen, hear out people's concerns, and then figure out ways that we can collaborate together to make something generational that we can be really proud of. So that was one of the videos they put out on kind of the, the ways that you guys can engage in the process. What about the one where they talked about some of the fears on traffic and parking, which I think are two of the biggest yes. issues, certainly that the Virginia folks have. Now, if you're driving, you want to know that you can park, or if you're in Maryland and you're metroing, might not sound like a lot of fun, depending on where you're coming from. Could be a much longer commute. But I think if you're in that Alexandria area and you're potentially excited, your potential pitfalls are, am I going to be in a bunch of traffic because of this? And what's the parking going to be like on game night? We hear so much from the community about how traffic is one of the biggest concerns. We're focusing a lot of our time around turning lanes, signalized intersections that are coordinated all the way down Route 1, queuing for rideshare, special rideshare zones. We're going to make this the most um, professionally managed in terms of traffic, in terms of parking, in terms of time of entry and exit, sinking the lights, doing all of those things. When we think about Metro, it's all about how do you move people off of the platform quickly. That means more fare gates, a wider bridge, more escalators. If you're driving to the arena, you'll be able to park in underground spots. We'll have 2,500 parking spots. The residents around the arena and businesses around the arena are not going to be flooded with traffic. The improvements that are coming here won't just benefit Monumental and the arena. They're going to benefit the community and be part of a regional transportation plan. That involves a lot of different stakeholders and a lot of research to really make the plan work. The question for you guys is how are you feeling now compared to, I think it was December 13th. Yeah, a couple months ago. Now. When this was first announced and we found out with this big press conference that this was going down. Look, I don't really have a horse in the race. It, it makes it easy for me, I think, whenever we do this topic, because I have zero venom, even though I guess if I could touch a button, I'd prefer the teams stay in D.C., but under the guise or through the situation that the neighborhood got back to being what the neighborhood was, and they were able to make massive enhancements to the arena that I think are unrealistic, frankly. But the perfect utopian thing for me that I enjoy doing is going downtown into D.C. 
to see my D.C. teams play. That is true. I believe that it's very obvious that the best arena, which I do want, and the best situation from a player recruitment, fan enjoyment, me going to a Caps game, having a blast, being able to get a good seat and be down by the ice and maybe go to the club and eat something nice before the game on my birthday or for a, you know an anniversary when I take my wife. I think that's going to be better at the new thing than the current thing. And those are the things that I'm excited about. But if I found out today that it's not happening, while as a Virginian I'd be disappointed that there will still, for the entire life that I've lived, not have been one arena or one stadium that I've ever had to call my own in my state. Like, I'm not – it wouldn't be sad to me. I would go, oh, that, that's crazy. Yeah, that okay. They were so gung-ho about it, and it didn't work. But I'll just keep going to the arena that I go to probably more than anyone, frankly, that you listen to on these airwaves. I'm there all the time. I go to more Caps games than I don't. I've been to several Wizards games. So I'm not advocating either way. But what I, what I will say is I don't have the venom that a lot of people have, like pretty obviously. I want to get your thoughts in a mm-hmm. second, Danny, and we'll, we'll see what people think. 800-636-1067 is the number. G&D on the fan. G&D on the fan. Double play coming your way in just a couple minutes. And at the top of the hour, we're blitzing. We're giving away Caps tickets as well. Where are the Caps going to be playing deep into the future? What about the Wizards? That is the question. Well, if Ted Leonsis has his way, they're headed to Virginia. Did you see, by the way, on the FanDC.com that Rick Snyder, one of our regular guests, wrote that Washington Sports has a new villain. Ted Leonsis is the new villain, he says. And look, he is catching a lot of shrapnel, a lot of heat. There are fans that are very, very angry in D.C. and in Maryland. I think that should have been expected. Yeah. There was going to be animus, like you're moving a team. It's not like they're moving to St. Louis. But people were used to one thing. Now you're moving the arena further away. For most of the people that you're moving the arena closer to, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot of anger. But for the people that are going to have a longer commute, you will. And for people that just don't like change, you will. Everyone hated when Rob Manford said they're going to have a pitch clock. Sure. By the end of the season, people didn't hate it as much. Everyone hated some of the, the tweaks to you know, base runners and throwing over and trying to create stolen bases. There's not as much animus for that. I don't know that this will be the same. It'll probably depend on whether the arena's awesome, whether players care enough about the new facility to, to be recruited. But... Uh, the venom, while expected to some extent, has surprised me a little bit. It, it surprised me a lot because there are multiple columns of people that are united in opposition. The usual folks that are upset about anything, as you said. Then there's those where you're right. It, it's it's less convenient if you live in Silver Spring, Hyattsville, uh, you know, points north and maybe even east uh, outside of D.C., or you're in Gaithersburg or whatever. Yeah, this, this got worse for you. There are trade-offs. I'm sorry that you're 100% right. That is worse for you. Complain away. Folks that could walk to the arena. I lived, by the way, uh, I don't know, a few thousand feet from the arena for a handful of years. I, I walked all the time. I was over there on a semi-nightly basis, right, going to Caps games. I had season tickets to the Wizards, a whole bunch of stuff, right? So I understand if you if it got worse for you, that makes sense. The part that I was stunned by, and you and I went through this a million times over, were the people that just said, no, because it's Virginia. No. Ah! No sympathy for that. 
no understanding of that, no comprehension of that. The the, the tantrum, even if uh, you could go, well, it's actually closer to you over here. It's actually not much of a difference. It's actually this. They don't want to hear it because it's Virginia. So I, I don't know what to tell those folks, right? By the way, I just got this into the inbox. Monica Dixon's going to join us tomorrow at 3.30. Oh, nice. She's the president of External Affairs, chief admin officer at Monumental. So if you have questions for Monica, maybe you can send them and funnel them to us uh, at Grant H. Paulson at Funny Danny, and we can get as many of those answered as possible. Try to be a liaison for you guys who have some of those concerns, and I'm sure she'll come on to try to help assuage and, and whatever questions we've got. Totally, yeah. That are still bountiful. It's It's really simple for me, though. Like, you know, I hate to – I wish I had a stronger take. I know that's not great radio. I, it's It comes down to me for I want the best arena. That's what I care about. Like People are like, are you, are you pro Leonsis? Are you just, you know, looking out for Ted? I Call me crazy. I'm a sports fan who wants an awesome venue. I don't want FedEx Field any longer. I want an awesome stadium. I don't give a damn, really, where it's at. I'd like it to be in D.C., that's my preference. I want it to be at RFK, as a matter of fact. But if I find out it's at National Harbor or it's at Potomac Landing or anywhere else, I want a new stadium that's state-of-the-art. And for the Caps and the Wizards, I'll continue to go to Capital One Arena, mm-hmm. which is a very pedestrian average arena at this point. It's old and antiquated and dated. There's only so much you can do. I'm also able to think with enough common sense that even if I don't like that they're leaving the city, which on a binary there's some dislike, I suppose, that they're leaving the city. I think that's possible while also saying I'm excited hmm. about the possibilities in Virginia. But here's the deal. It's a much better deal that they're getting. So you you can be upset about that, mm-hmm. but I, it's a real estate deal. It's a massive amount of land to do a lot of stuff with to have a much better venue. So what is my kind of angle here? As a guy who goes to dozens of games a year, My angle is having a kick-ass venue. That's what I want. I want the best arena. I want the best NFL stadium. I want an amazing ballpark. That's what I care about. I I smell what you're cooking there. I think your your comp of FedEx Field is a great one. I'm I'm not going to cry over the the citizens of Landover or Raljon or wherever the the place is called because they're losing that arena or that asset when it it moves somewhere else. You know what I mean? I know it's not the same. If I was Ted, though, I would just go hard in the paint with, I'm getting you guys the best arena this is I my can, point. and it just so happens that that's in Virginia. Yeah, this is my point. I go, I, I, my right now my practice facility is further away than where this new stadium is from my current home stadium. Think about that. It takes longer to get to the place where they're supposed to be practicing than this this new arena does. I would also by by geography, and they've done this a little bit. It, like the optics may not be great. I would go hard in the paint with like how long we were talking with DC about getting help and you know, improving things around where the current facility is, which has held up that neighborhood. That is my one drawback to all of this while I I say, like, I'm excited about the possibilities of Virginia. Go back to the first day we heard about this. I am petrified for what it means for D.C., where there's fewer foot traffic, Mm -hmm. where there's less people working in the city than there's been in decades. And in that neighborhood specifically, where I think, like, you know, like in a movie where the, the guy who took the vitamins is holding up the car, in a lot of ways, that's what Cap One Arena is doing at the Pen, whatever that Pen Quarter, Pen Con. Pen Quarter, I suppose now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stefan in DC. What's up? Hey, how you guys doing? What's up, buddy? 
hanging in there. Um, so my thing is, initially when it was announced, I got to understand for some of the reasons you guys stated. Just seeing what was proposed, it was just a better deal. So I can understand that. I can I can respect that. But now once you started getting more details and getting more of an understanding and you realize it wasn't just a situation where D.C. wasn't trying to give him the money he, re- he requested, he was already talking to Virginia for two years. And the money that he requested from the city was legally they couldn't get, give him that money in the time frame that he was talking about. So when you kind of look at those situations, it, it can't. It, it's sleazy to me because he's saying, "Oh, he needed, you know, this money." But would you feel DC. different if? Do you agree with me that from from just a sheer business standpoint, right? We could talk about if you have a fiduciary responsibility to the city or not. But if, if we're talking about him owning a coffee shop, that him opening that same coffee shop on the lot in Virginia is much better for him than the one he has in D.C. Do you agree with that? Oh, you know, 100%. Because even with. So if he just came out, Stefan, and said that, would you like would you like that better? No, I think if he came out and they went with that angle, I can respect it and I can understand it. But then when you start slandering and when you see that, no, that's not the issue, or you're saying before the Caps and Wizards games, you're saying we're going to put up 400 and something million to start the build, and then the 1.5 billion that they're going to get from Virginia, they're going to pay that back then why do we have to give you, you know, all this money if you're essentially saying you're going to front the $2 billion bill? Gotcha, man. Yeah, there's – when you get into the economics of it, the, the more free money you get, it's pretty – I think that's the, the, the tipping point, right? Because DC's like – in the 11th hour, maybe you'd argue the 13th hour because after the clock struck midnight, said, hey, we could do $500 million, because it's a, actually a very stupid point that Stefan made. The DC had their own rules about ability to borrow and not carrying too much debt on their balance sheet, which is actually a really smart thing, just as a quick side. They Their budget came in better than they thought, so they were able to produce that, again, pretty much after the deal was already done for them to go to Virginia. I know that was very convoluted, but Virginia is doing something unprecedented because they're so desperate to get this done. Some are. Yunkin and company want this so badly, they're going above and beyond what anyone has ever done in terms of public subsidy for a stadium. Let's go to Matt in Woodbridge. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's up, fellas? How you doing? Hey, buddy. To be honest with you, a stadium or a sports complex, whatever you want to call it, is never good for the people of that state. Uh, they always say that they, they brag about the amount of tax revenue that it's going to bring in for the people of that state. But in reality, that tax revenue never comes back to the people. It goes to more government services, and it goes to the lobbyists who are the ones that actually benefit off of a deal like this. And uh, – and no matter what state it goes in, it is going to be the taxpayers that pay for these complexes and these stadiums. So I'd be happy if it went to Maryland or D.C. myself, to be honest with you. But it's a great deal for uh, for Ted Leon, no doubt about it. Yeah, I, Appreciate I think you, it's a, a better deal than what he's got in D.C., which is why he's trying to make it happen, among other reasons. Without a doubt. I mean, to me, the point to lean in on is we're trying to, in this the most competitive field that there is, where everybody's got similar resources for on-court, on-ice, et cetera, we're trying to gain a competitive advantage as best we can. And this gives us a chance to do that because we're getting the most for free. I would lean into that, and it doesn't seem like they are. Beltway Blitz is next, and we're giving away Caps tickets right here on The Fan.
In 20 minutes on G&D, how would you feel about trading down from the number two spot? This is a deep quarterback class. Commanders could add a ton of picks if they were to do that. We will discuss right here on The Fan. First, though, our Beltway Blitz looms, and we got tickets to give away. Caller number 10 at 800-636-1067. Congrats, you're winning a pair to see the Capitals Sunday, March 3rd, Cap 1 Arena against Arizona. Tickets are on sale now. For tickets and more event information, go to thefandc.com slash events, courtesy of Monumental Sports. On the Blitz, Glenn Consor talking whiz, Ben Brown on the NFL, and we start on the ice. Ben Raby covers the Caps for their radio network. Benjamin Alex Ovechkin on a heater, eight goals in eight games as they enter play tonight, 7 o'clock game in Tampa. And it seems to me like, Ben, the chase is very much back on. per game pace is necessarily sustainable here down the stretch, but in all seriousness, nice to see him getting back on track after what was certainly a sluggish start to his season, and now 57 goals behind passing Wayne Gretzky for number one all-time. I think that's certainly uh, a realistic target, Uh, two-plus years remaining on the contract after this one. And I'll tell you, Grant, it's not just the goals that he's scoring of late. Obviously, that gets much of the attention and the headlines, et cetera. But it's the eye test, too, with Ovechkin. It's the quote-unquote all-around game. He's got some jump in his steps since the All-Star break. He's looked good on a line, primarily playing with Dylan Strome and TJ Oshie. So something potentially to build off of as the team collectively looks to, to keep uh, that upward mobility in the standings. Yeah, Benjamin, I think it's I, – I, I haven't done the math exactly, but two weeks from tomorrow is the trade deadline. This could be a big fork in the road right here. Yogi Berra style, I hope they take it. But what do you think is going to happen here over the next couple of weeks or so? About 10 games, I guess, uh, until that deadline, this could be, hey, we're hot, so let's add and try to make a push. Or it's a, you know what, it's not going to happen this year, so let's try to you know, find some running mates for the future for Ovechkin to break that record. What do you think? Yeah, I think, look, they still would like to believe they're in the hunt for a playoff spot. And they are. They're six points out of a wild card position entering play tonight. That said, I think objectively speaking, the likelihood of them – making the playoffs, and then beyond that, making a playoff run. I think the odds of that are pretty slim, and I think Brian McClellan, if you go back a year ago, acknowledged they're in a similar situation as they were last season when they did unload pieces. I think what happened a year ago, fellas, could be what you're looking at again, and what I mean by that is they traded pieces primarily with expiring deals, guys that it was thought wouldn't necessarily be returning to these parts, and they were dealt – not only for some draft assets, but they were dealt with players who could potentially contribute. You remember they acquired defenseman Rasmus Sandin in a trade last year. Uh, They acquired him from the Toronto Maple Leafs as part of a three-way deal. But the point being, they got an NHL-ready player, maybe a little bit younger, maybe whose best years are still ahead of him, but that's the type of trade they could be looking to make again this, you know, in the coming weeks. In other words, trading – a potential rental player to another team and acquiring a piece with more of a long-term outlook, somebody who could potentially grow and be part of a core in Washington moving forward. What has to happen for them to turn the tide here, not only from a trade conversation standpoint, no, but all of a sudden we look up and they're in a decent spot playoffs wise, easy answer is stringing the wins together. But I mean, how do they actually go about doing that? 
sorry, ask that again, Grant. I just I, yeah. I, I lost you there for how, a minute. How do they go about stringing the wins together they need to get back into the playoffs? Well, I think for one, we saw a little bit of a positive sign the other night as far as the goal productivity, and that's been a storyline throughout the season, of course, the lack of offensive finish. Defensively, they've been pretty steady, pretty good. The goaltending's been pretty good for much of the year. Charlie Lindgren starting again tonight. He's been very good. I think there's still an appetite to get goals, you know, a little bit more consistently. They have been over the course of this last little stretch. I think you look at a guy like Connor McMichael, it's encouraging the other night that he scored twice three goals in his last three without Kuznetsov again in that top six. It's elevated minutes for McMichael, but these guys are going to have to keep going. Um, it's great that Ovechkin has been picking up the slack, you know, the goal streak, the, the, the goal barrage that he's been on of late. But I think you look lower down the depth chart. It's been a storyline all year. If there is something that will ultimately hold the 2024 Capitals back, it's been that lack of offensive finish and the lack of consistency offensively as we now, you know, get towards the trade deadline that that continues to be something that needs to to get better benjamin thank you as always buddy talk soon all right appreciate it fellas thank you see you my friend hit that wizard sounder please now normally color gentlemen on the radio broadcast but you can hear him doing a little television our guy glenn consor joins us for the beltway blitz glenn it's not exactly a halfway point kind of unofficial the all-star break down the stretcher for the wizards give me some things you're looking for what do you want to see I'd like to see continued improvement defensively, which I think we've seen since January 10th. Um, actually, January since January 10th, the Wizards have been fifth in the NBA in causing turnovers, and they've ranked ninth defensively uh, since January 10th. So we're seeing more, a more aggressive team. We're seeing a team starting to attack the perimeter a little bit more, and I want to see that continue on. Glenn, Danny Avdia. Before the break, we were talking about his 43-15, and 15, how impressive that was. He seems to have really come into his own here. What are you noticing that's different about him from just a, I don't know, a comfort and a makeup standpoint? And then also, same question for his game. You know, I think, you know, the experts looking at his game right now are saying to themselves, like, well, what is he? Is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? Is he a small forward? Is he a four that could handle the ball? If you think about when he first came into the league, guys, he came in a COVID year, which everything was bizarre. Um, You know, the Wizards had Westbrook, um, ball dominant. They had Beal, ball dominant. Then he played with uh, Porzingis and Beal and Kuz. Now he's getting the opportunity to have the ball in his hands a lot more. And, you know, you you could see what he's doing. He's been doing this since. He's been young playing, you know, in professionally in Israel. So you're seeing his skill set, which is admirable. He continues to work hard on his game. He's a very good defensive player. And I think now you're starting to see his three-point shot fall. He's attacking with force. Um, and we really haven't seen that up until this point. So it's, it's admirable. What do you want to see kind of next step in growth? Numbers up across the board pretty much for Corey Kispert here as well. A, a nice piece that they drafted a couple of seasons ago, Glenn. What's kind of his next step as he continues to develop in this league? You know, it's interesting because, you know, Corey's now a scorer. He's not just a shooter. Uh, in fact, he might be even more dangerous as a guy attacking the rim now than he is as a, you know, perimeter shooter. So I, I want to see a little bit more consistency from him from three, which I think he can do. Uh, but he's been really impressive when he's, 
driven off that three-point line, attacking and using his athleticism and strength. I mean, he's really developing into a very good player. Who's next on that list of guys? We've talked about the leap Avdia made, Gispert's making. Who else do you want to see that from in the second half of this season? Well, we're seeing it from Koulibaly, too. I mean, every game he seems to show some things that are, you know, are going to wow you, um, you know, with whether it's a block shot or, you know, a defensive stop or, you know, his ability to get 21 points in a game. Um, he's showing that he, you know, and he's so young, he's only 19 years old. Uh, I'd like to see him just continue to be Bilal, you know, and <clears throat> instead of um, – maybe diverting sometimes, you know, taking it in himself. But I really like the pace that he's developing in. What's sort of the next step for him in his offensive game too, Glenn? Would you like to see more responsibility, like run some plays, run some stuff through him, little, let him kind of handle the ball a little bit and create some? Yeah, I think. But you know what? That takes time. Yeah. You know, that, that takes time. That takes, you know, skill sets, you know, ball handling stuff and snap dribbles and all that, which he can do now. But now he's got to be able to, you know, understand the defensive schemes that are defending that when he plays against that are defending him, and and how to attack it. And you know, look, he's 19. I mean, what were you doing, Danny, when you were 19? You were hitting home runs at GW, I think, <laughs> and drinking a lot of Miller Lights, Glenn. Yeah, I wouldn't. That wasn't responsible. <laughs> but I know you were hitting home runs. But I, I you know, yeah. what? I love Bilal's upside. I mean, it, it really, you know, he's only going to get stronger. You know, and it's hard for him right now because. His body has not kicked in. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing's there yet. You know, he's athletic. He can. He's got great bounce. But once his legs start getting stronger and his upper body, he'll be able to finish better around the rim. I mean, I really like how he's developing. He seems to show something every game that you didn't see in the game before. We appreciate you, Glenn. The insight is great. We'll be watching this evening, and I know we'll be, see you on the uh, telecast the next couple of nights. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I'll be doing pre- and post-game show, and I'm also watching uh, Danny Ruye home runs at GW. Which I, I like I, I grainy footage. Today. Grainy I footage. Got, no, I got, I got the footage. I watch it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Send it to me. See you, Glenn. See you guys. Let's keep it moving. Ben Brown, Summer Sports. Ben, where do you think... Kirk Cousins, the top available quarterback, ends up? Uh, I, I think in a lot of ways I'm riding with the favorite. I do think the Falcons, you know, make a lot of sense. Obviously, the rumor mill has been centered on that location. I do think, you know, him, you know, specifically with, a, you know, an offensive unit that is kind of intriguing, I would say, from an upside standpoint. Obviously, I've invested a lot into the offensive skill position players from a draft compensation standpoint. I think Zach Robinson could absolutely maximize uh, the outcome there. They, you know, maybe would get a little bit of a discount with Kirk Cousins, obviously coming off injury. So I do think overall, if he doesn't end up back in Minnesota, uh, it very much seems like it's Atlanta or a bust for him. Ben, I just can't do it with J.J. McCarthy. And here's what I mean. Like, if I'm an elite program and my best bet is to have that guy hand it off and throw it eight times against a rival, or like I threw, I had him throw just so he had 200 yards one time over the last five games. I just can't entrust my franchise to that guy when the college coach didn't entrust their franchise to that guy. But he's flying up boards now. What do you think? Yeah, it is interesting. Obviously, you know, at this time of year, you know, the quarterbacks are going to, I would say, kind of run the Gottman until we kind of see, you know, the combine results and you start to look at some of those, you know, gaudy type flash plays, you know, guys that are actually exercising at the combine. So I do understand it. 
Uh, to me, I, I'm not saying that I'm necessarily with you, Danny. You know, obviously the ability to kind of stay ahead of the sticks, playing from ahead, really didn't, I would say, cause a lot of duress for J.J. McCarthy. And I do think, it is, uh, you know, uh, as he continues to move up draft boards, the situation that's going to be around him at the NFL level is only going to get worse and worse. And seeing him in that sort of worse environment, it, it can definitely be cause for concern. I, I think in some ways, you know, people have looked at like his third down production from, you know, a, a long down a distance type situation has been really good. But again, like I do think in a lot of ways, like the, the, the threat of Blake Corum, you know, rushing there and maybe going for it on fourth down obviously gave him more favorable looks up front. So I, I don't want to say that I'm completely out on him. I do think at some point he is going to be a popular pick to go in the top 10. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think I'd be overly shocked of a team kind of falling in love with some of the traits that they could see occasionally flash on film with him as their, you know, franchise type quarterback. What's a, ma- a massive move or maybe? like a blockbuster type situation that rumored or otherwise you th- you'd like to see happen you think would be cool this off season yeah i mean i think everyone's kind of pending for you know the the, the bears situation to obviously resolve in some ways i think justin fields obviously feels that so you know I, it does seem like they're very much likely to move on from him so the compensation for him i think in some ways is going to free up the top of the draft as well. You know, Washington going quarterback at two, uh, uh, you know, kind of as well with Caleb Williams being the number one overall selection. Like, I think you're going to see a quarterback needy team potentially explore their options at, you know, the third overall pick with the New England Patriots. You know, obviously what they have with Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi isn't going to be all that appealing, but, you know, they could play it similar to how Arizona did last season and, and drop down a few picks and maybe punt this year with the idea that they still are a couple years away given the current state of the roster so to me i think the patriots potentially moving out uh, a, a pick three and, and we do see qb 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 kind of go out the top three picks it is probably the most likely outcome for i would say a blockbuster type trade coming up here uh for the 2024 april draft benjamin hypothetical situation let's say you're just at home minding your business you get a phone call from a team with a lot of salary cap space i can't think of any of the top of my head maybe like a washington for example and they said to you hey ben how's it going big fan of your work we love you on grant and danny uh, how would you spend our free agent dollars? How should we allocate it? Where's good value? What should we be doing here? Yeah, I think to me, you know, I think obviously if you answer the quarterback position, you know, in the draft, you're looking at, you know, I would say more edge type, rush type situations. You know, Jonathan Allen's still very much under contract, you know, you know which is going to be a run. They have to Ron Payne as well. But I think locking in one more guy in that front four rotation is very much uh, what my expectations should be for them. I do think it's a somewhat deep class in that regard as well. And then I would say more so figuring out, you know, the back half and the secondary, adding some bodies in there is very much how you kind of want to go about it. I don't know if you necessarily want to, you know, sign the flashy top end cornerback option, but I think getting more depth at that position is going to allow you to open up some things. And I think offensively, that's really where you want to focus on and be at the draft. I would say getting another wide receiver option in the second round would kind of be the direction that I'd want to go from a Washington, you know, overall organizational standpoint perspective kind of coming out of the April draft. Ben, thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you Check out Ben Brown's work, Sumer Sports. How would you feel about the commanders trading back? Something we've talked probably less about than any other possibility when they're on the clock at number two. We'll get to that next on Grant and Danny. Want to play a little fill-in-the-blank here on Grant and Danny. 
as we get into the NFL draft for the first time today. Quick reminder to kick off your future with the law firm of Condori and Murad. They're the official G&D show sponsor, and they'll help protect your assets, update your will and your trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit kmlawyers.com and mention the show to score yourself a discount. That's kmlawyers.com. I just remembered. What's up? I stole a bottle of water from the kitchen yesterday. Coming back from the bathroom, I didn't have my wallet on me. Well, so just, wasn't it broken yesterday, like the, the ability to pay? I have no idea. Oh. I didn't check. But my plan was to go back by the end of the day to pay for my bottle of water, which I never did because mm-hmm. I forgot. Right. I just now remembered. And now I'm thinking, am I wanted? Is, is there like a... Do not it, serve this man. Somebody looking for me. I mean, there's a camera over there. Yeah. How does that work, do you think? I don't know. Who's who's looking at the footage? I feel like that's no different than me walking into, like, a 7-Eleven and just taking water and leaving, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, Technically. It's kind of. Yeah, it's like there to be. And if I was like, oh, I it. plan on coming back and giving you money, they'd be like, bro, that's not how this works. So now I'm a little nervous. I know. I, I will go pay during the break, but I have to wonder what's what. How are you going to? Do you have the bottle? To no. use the QR code? No. I, so you'll I, I, just I, scan it and then put it back? Yes, I do yeah. this all the time. Mm-hmm. Because I, I leave the bathroom. That's when I'm now looking at the market yeah. for whatever I want. Mm-hmm. And I almost never keep my wallet on me. You know, when I sit down, I always take everything out and put it on the table or whatever. Yep. And uh, that's kind of how I operate. Yeah. So that I never have my wallet when I'm over there. Uh-huh. So then I just go back later. If I got like. Coke Zero or something. Mm-hmm. Just take a new one out, scan it, and put it back. Like, I, I don't think you made the FBI's 10 most wanted list. But you're on the list? You know, America's Most Wanted's back, by Is the way. Is it really? Yeah, my guy. I, one of my favorite shows ever. When I was a little kid, I used to watch it. it. used to scare the heck out of me. I was afraid to go get the mail at the end of the driveway. We didn't have a long driveway, by the way. Mm-hmm. You could throw a, a baseball past the end of my yard, the end of my driveway. And this the- fugitive is in King George now. Yeah, he never said King <laughs> never George, that. Virginia. Yeah, but when he would say Virginia, like uh-huh. last oh, seen man. Alexandria, Virginia, or whatever, I'd be like, oh, snap. I just always assumed somehow, some way, that guy was just sitting in my bushes, like right outside <laughs> my house. I'm like, have I seen him? Was that the guy that rode by on the bike today? But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's my guy. Back for more. With his son now, John Walsh, and his son has a wacky name. His son's name is like Capricorn or something wacky. What, what's his? Chadwick? I don't know. Chadwick Walsh? Figure that out for me, Darius. And his son is like very serious and over the top, and like he's kind of like John Walsh turned up to 11. It's very Jack Collinsworth, Chris Collinsworth, where now he's just there next to his dad, like broadcasting the show. But America's Most Wanted back, baby. Is our guy, is our guy uh, Wes Johnson doing the voice for it? I have to ask him. I don't think so. Okay. He should be, by the way. People sleep. He, like, he did be. that. Yes, he did. He was the guy that would say, coming up next, the story of a six-year-old girl who won't stop fighting back. That was Wes Johnson. Was Wes no Johnson's way. PA yeah. voice of the Capitals. So the first guy was a dude named Don LaFontaine who, like, voiced everything. Yeah. And then it was just like, hey, Wes, can you do that real quick? And he did it, and he crushed it, of course, because he's he is a voiceover superstar. He is, he really is. Callahan Walsh is the name. Callahan, not Capricorn. Callahan Auto Parts. Callahan, I mean, that's a, that is a name, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's kind of a cool name. Is he named after Callahan Auto? So the way they do it is they both just do these like stand up shots where they're mm-hmm. staring in, and you know he takes after his dad, where his dad would mm-hmm. call these guys out, which is so ballsy, I think. But he must have a hell of a lot of security around his house. 
Oh, he's going to talk trash John, to yeah, This like, criminal is brainless. He doesn't yeah. say criminal. He goes scumbag. Yeah. Like John Walsh is like, we got to get this scumbag off the streets. <laughs> and now Capricorn or Callahan, his son, he does the same bit where he's like, this loser's been on the run for two years. That ends tonight, thanks to you. Here's a picture of this moron. <laughs> and I like show a picture of him, and he's like, this jackass has committed three crimes in the last month. And if you're that criminal, you're like, I need to get Callahan Walsh. Like, this guy's calling me names. They're calling out the most wanted people in America. Yeah, I don't I, think I, I would do know. that. I'd be I like, not either. this alleged uh, yeah. person that we don't know. I mean, we don't know. No one knows. Might not be dangerous. No, Nobody one, knows. no one can say. People are looking for him. We can, t- we can tell you that. I don't know when it came back, but I was watching some game Saturday night. I don't remember what it was. It ended, and then I was about to turn the channel, and it was like, America's most wanted starts now. And I'm like, seven years old again, eating ice cream. Yeah, here we go. That was the first episode. Oh, I guess it's the second one back. Oh, let's go. So fired. The up. the that they one had act it with actors oh, yeah, and that, stuff. That one had great acting bits where it was like it's all like a little bit grayed out, you know. It's it's not quite the person who can't like pour milk into the cereal infomercial style. So it's a slight level above that acting, but it was always a little bit gray and then with flashback and then it's narrated. So that one and a current affair back in my day would have like the best sort of sound effects like coming up. You know, like that sort of deal. My oh, shows so as a kid that scared me. I had two of them. I watched them. It was an obsession. I couldn't wait till they came on and both kept me up at night, gave me nightmares. America's Most Wanted, the one seed, and Rescue 911. Mm. Now, Rescue 911 was generally way less like crime, someone's going to kidnap you, fear. And it was just like someone died from carbon monoxide, you know, odorless. No way to know it's there. I still think about that in my house constantly. Every time I turn on the pilot light or whatever at my, uh, you know, my my um, mm-hmm. gas uh, fireplace. But uh, just right, like, don't swim in this lake. Something will eat you alive. And it was it was petrifying. But I had to watch it, and that was William Shatner, my guy. You, Rescue nine one one. Rescue nine one one. I forgot that he did that. Uh, for me, so we had the same America's Most Wanted. Unsolved mysteries. Some of them are just like... Oh, I watch those eh, still. Nothing burgers, whatever. It's like Robert Stack telling you, these cup circles are not explained. It's like, yeah, I don't care. It's in Kansas. It doesn't affect me. Well, then there's the like, this person died under very mysterious circumstances, 50 feet from where you're sitting right now. Yeah. And we don't know why. We don't know what force killed him. Anyway, coming up after the break, you're like, oh my God, any closure. Dude, I still but they're unsolved. Those. Still to this day. Uh, the, other, the cold cases is my one seed. That, that, I just I'll watch those eight at a time. You love uh, the, the forty eight hour bit too, don't you? Watch that first one. First forty eight. Yeah, first forty eight. Big fan of that show for sure. I mean, true crime in general, any kind of crime shows, I'm in on. But cold cases. Now I'll lock all the doors and the windows right before I start watching it. Is your boy at thirty five years old, father of a few, still gets a little antsy? Yeah. Something bangs outside while I'm watching it. It's not that comfortable. We might have to you know grab a, a weapon and head out to investigate. But um, dude. I, I, I can't help it. When's the last time you went out to investigate? Oh, I mean, it, I mean, it would take a, a big noise or something. It hasn't really happened. You like you haven't investigated since since you've been at your house. I've have you investigated? Go, I've had to go downstairs in the middle of the night. Like, what the hell? Or why is my dog going crazy? Yeah, that's an investigation. Yeah, I've had to do that. You, you get your lather up a little bit, grab a weapon from the bedside, and uh-huh. head on down the steps. Uh-huh. You know. That's happened a couple times. So the I my I was like famous is the wrong word, but I had that investigation. Remember when all the all the boys slept over at my place? Well, my son and his friends did. And at three forty five, I thought it was a home invasion. Just they were up 
yelling at each other. Like one kid had his pants off, and it was yeah, one yeah. kid was in the sleeping bag. The whole thing was a mess. I thought so. That was my last investigation until a handful of nights ago. My wife doesn't even know this. I thought something was going down in the backyard. I peeked out. I couldn't see anything. I was like, "Well, there's a, there's a shadow spot." I grabbed the bat from underneath the bed. Okay, underpants, shoes on, no socks. Right, grabbed a sweatshirt, crept down. My dad. Let me say this real quick. Yeah. My dad's uniform for this back in the day, tidy whiteies and black socks. Yeah. You knew yeah. something was going something on. Something was afoot. If he kind of came down in the middle of the night, or you saw him leaving his room. Tidy whiteies and black socks just walking down the steps. I was like, okay, someone's about to get a bat if they're in this house right here, right now. So I, quiet as as I can be, okay, because the, all the outdoor lights are on, but there's there's a shadow in this one area it, towards the end of the backyard. I open the back door, quiet, like just a little tiny bit, trying not to make that sound, right? Just a little bit. And I'm listening. I'm listening because I heard, so, I, I'm telling you, I heard something. I heard rustling. I heard activity. I heard movement. Wind. People. An animal. Two dudes. Yeah. B&Es. And so then I step out, kind of slowly move, like, along the side of the house. This yeah. is the middle of the night. It's, it's freezing cold. And then I yelled to try to stir them, like, to see if I heard anything. Get the bleep out of here. Right? With holding the bat. And I'm, then I realized no one's there. It's about 1245. Again, underpants. Uh, shoes with no socks and like a sweatshirt that I threw over holding a bat in my in the middle of my backyard like a crazy person. I was like, what if anyone saw this? And I went back inside and went back to bed. Maybe a tough visual. Yeah. I um I you know, you watch enough of these reels now. Like people do crazy stuff now. The amount of people that are doing like faking that I have food in your like and people need to know this stuff, by the way. Allow me to be the, the guy to let you know that this is going on. People will show up with like a styrofoam box in a bag. Acting like you ordered food. Hey, your burrito is here. You may have ordered it or you may not have. You probably haven't. And you're going to open it and be like, oh, sorry, that's my neighbor's. And then three other dudes are jumping up on your porch to run in your house. Like, you know, I'll scroll through 11 reels like that oh, a day terrifying. at this point. There's, you know, the people are getting like UPS jackets and all kinds of crazy stuff. So you saw, you saw the one the recently the in Northern Virginia? Never open your door, ever. Even if it's, if you ordered a package and they have it, don't open your door. Just if you order Domino's and they bring it and it's the Domino's guy with the pizza, just don't eat it. Just don't open your door ever. Just stay inside. Never leave your house. No, hold on. That's kind of what I'm saying. You saw the one in Northern Virginia where they're doing the flower scam? You know no. what I'm talking about, right? So somebody comes, like this lady looks looks very innocent, very nice, very sweet. These are flowers? Like, did you order these flowers or like flowers for somebody here at this address or whatever? And then if they, if they whoever's like waiting close by sizes you up like, yep, yeah, we could take them. They take you. Like they whoop your butt and steal People your stuff. Suck, yeah. yeah. You know, or it's Have like you heard about the pizza scam in Northern Virginia. That's the one where you, they promise you pizzas. This is the one where you give them money for pizzas. Where do you leave the money? Like out front or like well, in some. Typically you would give it to them. Yeah. But where do you. But where... they only want cash. Yeah. Where do you have to leave it? You, you give it to them unless you, you sniff it out. Oh. And you say, this doesn't sound right. I'm only going to give you a check. And then they text you that night. Uh huh. And they tell you, we can only take cash. I'm sorry. That's what my teacher told me. And you just leave it in the mailbox? Then you leave the cash in the mailbox. There it is. Then they come get the cash. And then the number that they texted you from, they never respond to or use again. Thank God that didn't happen to you. It certainly didn't. You know what I mean? Because you're getting your pizzas. It would never happen to me. My pizzas are coming. They just haven't come yet. Let's go to Mark in Florida. Hello, Mark. How you doing, boys? Hey, buddy. Good. I thought, so your story about uh, John Walsh and the amount of security you think he might have. So when I was a teenager in the early 2000s, 
we I worked at a grocery store and he lived nearby the grocery store. And they told us when we when we started there that John Walsh lives nearby and he may come by. Don't make a big deal about it. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm never going to see this guy. But one night, here comes John Walsh, walks in, does so his grocery sorry. shopping, just him and his wife or whatever with him. That's it. Walk him out to his car, put his groceries away, shake his hand. Hey, have a good night. Thanks. Blah, blah, blah. $50 tip. Love that. John Walsh. I'm a big John Walsh guy. I don't know if I've mentioned that. But I, I don't think he's going to have, like, it's not like he's the president. I don't expect when he goes shopping that there's like a guy with an earpiece behind him. I'm just saying, if I'm John Walsh, I got more than a, a Brink security camera at my house. I'm in a gated community or gated mm-hmm. house or something. And I got cops sitting out front 24-7. I've called out some of the most dangerous people on the planet. Weekly. And put so like 11, years. 1,100 uh, America's Most Wanted Criminals that they put behind bars via that show. I'm probably going to have a little protection beyond uh, you know, a Glock or something that, that I, I keep uh, you know underneath of my mattress. There's dudes that are huge with earpieces. And, and ill-fitting blazers walking be. around in front of him, behind me. And I think old Cadillac, Cadillac his son, better do some of the same. He, I mean, he's like, this turbo loser right. just showed up in Mexico. And I'm like, whoa, This man. evil zilch has been <laughs> spotted. The, the main one they like to say is scumbag. Scumbag. And that's such a, that is a great <laughs> line. You do not want to be called a scumbag. That is tough. Uh, but well-deserved for the people that are yes. on that show, I would say. If, if I may, I'm on the Walsh side. I want to make that clear. Yeah, team team non-criminal for me. Team if I'm picking not one. the guy who's committed the murder. But again, it's alleged. I don't know. On the run. Don't be mad. It's got to also, imagine the walls caving in on you when you're on the run. It's got, like, and I'm not sim- empathizing, sympathizing, uh, neither of those things. But can you imagine that feeling of just, like, you're on the run. Now you're on TV. In every movie, you've seen the scene where, like, he sees his picture on the newspaper and he, like, turns the other way. Like, I hope we catch them all. But th- that has to just be a crazy thing. That's a tough beat. Don't use your credit card because you pop up. Good. You know? Get them. Get them. You you did it. It's your fault. Allegedly. Allegedly. But I'm not calling you a scumbag. I would never do that. Uh, should the commanders trade back from the number two pick? Let's get into that next. We were supposed to get into that here. We didn't exactly do that. We did America's Most Wanted instead. G&D on the fan. <laughs> We have talked quite a bit about what the commanders should do with the number two overall pick. The idea of trading up to number one has come up on this show extensively. The possibility of taking Drake May out of North Carolina, which is my preference, has certainly been something we have uh, tackled from all angles. The potential of adding Jaden Daniels at number two, which is Danny's favorite option. That is something that we have covered as well. We've not talked a lot about trading back. I want to open up the MGM National Harbor listener lines at 800-636-1067 and allow you guys to fill in this blank. Trading back from number two would be what? 800-636-1067. How would you feel about it? Risky. That's the word that comes to mind for me. This, This is the same... Any any move you make or don't make is a bet. 
you're betting that the quarterback that you want is available later. You're betting that that guy is going to be just as good as this group that's perceived to be better uh, by head and shoulders, by some significant measure over the next tier down, be that Knicks, McCarthy, Penix, uh, uh, Pratt from, from Tulane, whomever. It's a risky move to not just stay put and make it easy on yourself. You need a quarterback, you have a high draft pick, you take a quarterback. If you accept a trade offer, maybe you get that Robert Griffin godfather offer to move back, you need to end up with a young signal caller and a whole bunch of draft picks, obviously, to boot, and that's great. But to me, it is a risky move. The safest, simplest, and easiest move is to stay put and take a QB. In general, I am a huge advocate. I got caught a lot of Eric Flack on this uh, the year they drafted Chase Young. To me, it was either quarterback or trade back. Nobody wanted to hear it. I love trading back. It's awesome unless you don't have a quarterback, in which case you jump at the opportunity to take the second prize in this draft. Yeah, we've done the thing for years where we'll go through and we'll do it again as we get closer to the draft. You know, the simulators and and we Mm -hmm. look at our options, and I'm Mr. Tradeback. There is almost never a bad time to do it. But to answer the question and to fill in the blank, trading back or trading down would be a gigantic mistake in my opinion. Now, it's on the table for a few reasons. Notably because of the depth of this QB class, right? Where if you traded back one spot to three, you could still get Daniels or May, if they're even on your board. If you traded back a little further to six or eight, then you miss out on the big three, but you could, you know, overdraft slightly but still get a guy there, whether that's J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix or Michael Penix or whoever they like a lot. Maybe you could trade into the teens and still get that guy. Not a lock, though. But I think it'd be a huge mistake because I think the drop-off from the top three and everybody else is sizable. You might think that Caleb Williams to May and Daniels is huge, or maybe you're a big fan of one of those other two guys and you think that the gap between one and two is big and then two and three is huge. But what I think is pretty irrefutable going into this process, and there's a lot we don't know and we're going to end up being wrong in, in various fashions, but it looks like the big three separated by a Grand Canyon size gap, kind mm-hmm. of a drop off. And then the debate is what's the rest of the order look like and who's fourth? And JJ McCarthy's kind of first on the scene there now, and at least according to some of the draft experts, expected to go in the top 10, top 12. But I just think you have a golden opportunity. You're not going to be picking in the top two or three again, ideally. It's very, very hard to be bad enough to pick this high. They've done it twice recently because they were run pretty horrifically because they've been an abysmal organization. But if Adam Peters is as good as we think he is, if the Harris ownership group is as much as an upgrade from Dan Snyder as we're expecting, if this coaching staff, which Dan Quinn put together, is solid, then you're not picking second. You're not going 3-14 and this coming season. It's really, really hard to do that, to to get to the top of the board. So you're going to be trying to find a quarterback then next year and into the future in probably worst quarterback drafts while picking lower. And whatever you're recouping here, you're you're packaging a bunch of stuff to go up. Next year, there's probably not a quarterback that's as good as any of these top three guys. Maybe two years from now, we get to a point where that QB is available again. But I think it would be a huge mistake. I think you've got to pick in the top three as a floor. If you traded back, one spot is about as far as I would go. But I think you stay at number two. I'm not a fan of trading up either for that matter. But you take whoever you like best 
among the two remaining elite big three prospects in this class. So I'm filling in the blank by saying trading back from number two would be a massive mistake. Mm. I just, again, I there there's a big part of me. I don't just do the blindly trust whoever the new boss is, you know, or in Rivera we trust or whatever that stupid crap was. Nope, it's okay to ask questions. Adults are talking. But I have more confidence in Peter, certainly, in company than I did in the, in the previous regime, and that's from, from day one. To me, there, there better be a smart plan. Like, you better know. Like, if you're moving back again to, to, to eight, and you've got a good view of, whether it's McCarthy or somebody else, that you think he's every bit as good as these top guys, and just you wait and see, and you pick up extra picks, that's a win. That's great. But it's risky to me. Yeah. You better be right. I mean, look, a trade back would, would mean a massive haul, by the way. Like, uh, PFF has a an outlook where they could possibly trade back from, like, number two to number eight. And then you're talking about them adding, you know, three picks in the top 100 this year and then a first in the future. I mean, it would be an unbelievable haul. Like, what they suggest here on PFF is Washington goes from two to eight. They get the 43rd pick this year, the 74th pick, like, early third round this year, and then a first rounder next year to go back six spots. So then at number eight, they get a wide receiver, Roma Dunze from Washington, then at 36, you take an edge, Chop Robinson from Penn State. You're on the clock again at 40. You take a starting tackle from Duke Graham Barton. Then at 43, maybe you go whichever quarterback fell there. If Penix is still there or maybe, you know, whoever's the best of the rest, like the eighth best quarterback in the country or something. And you're, you're picking at that point seven times in the top 101. I mean, really, really insane number of picks. But who's your quarterback? Yeah. And how good are they? And and did you get that position right? You guys are next. 800-636-1067. Fill in that blank for us. How would you feel? Trading down from the number two pick would be? We're Grant and Danny.
Welcome back to Grant and Danny on the fan, taking you to 6.30 tonight. Wiz and Caps both in action. Capitals on the fan right here at 7 o'clock. The Wizards are over on 106.7 The Fan HD2 at 9 p.m., I believe. Embrace the bit, bro. <laughs> Kick off your future with the law firm of Kondorian Murad, the official GND show sponsor. They'll help protect your assets, update your will and trust. Schedule a free estate planning strategy with one of their Fairfax-based attorneys. Visit camlawyers.com. Mention the show to get a discount. Camlawyers.com. Commanders have the number two pick. They could move up to number one, give up a boatload. They could stay put, take elite quarterback prospect, either Drake May or Jaden Daniels, very likely, because we're expecting Caleb Williams to go one. Or they could trade back. And we haven't talked a lot about the trade back possibilities, but we're doing that now. They could get something like a second-round pick, a third-round pick, and a first-round pick next year, maybe even another pick next year, you know, if they go back far enough. But two to seven, two to six, two to eight, something like that. Remember, when they went back, now this was a different era slightly, but when they moved up to get Robert Griffin, I believe they had the sixth pick. They moved up four spots to number two. They like Tannehill if they stayed at six, by the way. They moved up to number two. They took Robert Griffin. They gave up three ones and a two. What was the deal? Now they mm-hmm. flipped one. They swapped one of the ones, yeah. But they gave up the next year's first and the year after that's first. And then the second round pick, I think, in the next two drafts. Maybe it'd be something like that. You know, two ones, two twos. That's a huge, huge amount of picks to add for your wheeler and your dealer, who's your new GM, who can pick players, and Adam Peters and his staff. And the, the more lottery tickets you have, the more likely you are to win. This is a, as I said, it's, it's a batting average gig. So you're, you're hoping to hit 550, 650, 700 if you're great at it. The more picks you have, the more likely you are to build a winner that way. But quarterback's the whole ball game. It's the most important thing. And if you don't solve it at number two, when are you going to solve it and how? The other thing I would say, Danny, is if they trade back, especially if they're outside of the top, it probably doesn't matter, honestly. If they're out of the top three, they might have to go the veteran quarterback route either to start all season or to handcuff to McCarthy, Penix, Knicks, whoever. Like now all of a sudden a two-year deal with Cousins or or Mayfield if he gets away, which I don't think he will. Something like that Mm -hmm. would be back in play because you're not bringing someone in who's probably ready and necessarily going to start immediately. I suppose there's a very... Narrow tight walk, tight rope rather to walk. Like if Arizona or the Chargers wanted to trade up, and you were you were certain that neither was going to draft a quarterback, and you were certain that nobody else, say the Giants at six or Tennessee at seven or Atlanta at eight, was going to supersede you and move up to the Patriots or something else, you could, I suppose, slide back a couple of spots, pick up some picks, and still end up with one of those group of three, assuming that you like the guy. But again, it's it's a very complicated juggle. It's a bold gambit to be able to do something like that and, and hope that nobody else either works something out to take that guy away from you and, you know, have the math work out. Like, let's say for the sake of argument, the Chargers cannot deal with the idea of someone else having Marvin Harrison Jr. They can't. Who can they, How can we make sure that we get him? We go up to number two. You guys are at number five. You run the risk then of Patriots taking somebody, somebody jumps ahead at four. You've lost one of that group of three. Is that worth it anymore? But, I don't know what it'll be to this group. But unless the rest of your hypothetical is that one of those three still falls to five. And that's the point. But, but, but the how could chances you know? of that, I mean, maybe it'll happen. Like, we don't know how the draft's going to play out. The chances of that are minuscule. 
I mean, it's just it's just not a yes. Th- if a team comes up that's not taking a quarterback, that takes one pick off the board, but there's still another pick coming. So you have one, three, four. Even if you're at five, there's your three quarterbacks. Right. It's so, just, the, but the, the part of the hypothetical was you, and you know, for however you know, you I don't know that you do, but you know that Arizona's not doing it, and they're not trading the pick. It, I just, it, it's too damned I, hard in my opinion. I appreciate what you're trying to accomplish, but like, yeah, I just don't think there's any path to that. You, you will miss out on the top three if you're not picking in the top three very likely. Or you, let me say this. Whether you do or you don't, you have to assume that. that That's what you have to assume. So if you go back to five, it's McCarthy time. It's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Penix is going to go later than most people do. but And I like him. Fine. I like him I too. Just, I think the, the age, the injury, the size. It, all, is, all there, is, there an offer, is there an offer that you'd go, I, I have to? I guess I mean like I I don't say never right I, I'm not a believer in that so I'll say yes to, to the question if you I mean if if I got like someone wanted to come up nine spots and they were giving me like three ones three twos and a three or something well of course now I've probably got to do it you know I got I got a two this year a two next year a two after like yeah I just set up my whole organization to have unbelievable drafts for three straight years. But damn if I wouldn't be annoyed. And now the problem is because the draft's after free agency, unless someone's still sitting out there, I might be between a a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Maybe I have to package picks and go get a quarterback now. Maybe I have to go trade for Use a some of that commodity or something. I mean, to me, the only way that I'd be okay with the trade, and it, even if one of those godfather offers comes in, I would need to know. I don't know how we could because nobody's going to tell us squat and they shouldn't, but I would need to know. With a little truth serum, me looking at Adam Peters in his eyes. Adam, you have great eyes, by the way. Your hair is outstanding. You're so handsome. You're chiseled, and uh, you're a dreamboat. Thanks for being here. How do you have whatever quarterback you end up with? Because I'm still assuming they're taking one. If it's McCarthy, if it's you know Knicks or whoever, how do you have them graded? If he's like, well, I'll be honest with you, we got May as an eight out of ten, making up a number, and I got McCarthy at a seven point five, but he'll with some upside because look at all the things we're going to put around him. I'll go okay, but if the difference is May's an eight. McCarthy's a four. Uh, I can't do well, that. Here's what they would have to do is they'd have to come out right away. And maybe you do this initially behind the scenes, you know, by getting whispering in some people's ears to get the word out. They just didn't like any of the three. I, I'm going to make all of this up now, but just follow me. Scared by Caleb Williams, red flags, you know, just the the noise about wanting to have an ownership stake and not having an agent or whatever it is. Uh, don't like Drake May because of they just didn't love the film or they thought he didn't play well enough in big games and, and they're worried about um, it's hard for me because I love Drake May but to, to come up <laughs> with the flaws but they're worried about uh, like his game translating to we don't like him because Grant likes him right uh, Jaden Daniels they go he's, he's way too thin and he takes way too many shots and we just think he's not going to be durable um, and he, he's a little older than kind of the upside that we're looking for from an age standpoint or whatever and they just they don't like any of the three so they auction off their pick. They take the highest bidder. It's, you can't be mad at them if they don't want any of those three guys. You can't force them to take one. But they need to get that word out immediately. I would still be frustrated, by the way. Yeah. Because th- there's three very different options here. Please like one of them. It's almost like you went to a... A buffet. It's funny you said buffet because I was about to say a, a cheesecake factory. Who has like a 40 page oh, menu. Oh, I would love to go to cheesecake or if factory you ever go right to like now. a Maggie McFly's. Yeah. There's one over at the Springfield Mall. I don't know if it's still there been a while since i've been there but 
but it's one of these like everything's made from scratch in the kitchen bits, and they've got like a sixty-page menu. You you just can't go through that menu and tell me you don't like anything. This is my biggest Rivera problem. Was the excuses every year was we didn't like any of them. Like like somebody figure it out. Like man. somebody over four I years. Forty six pages of options here. You like Italian? There's there's Italian in there. You like uh, Asian? We we got that too. Like you tell me what you're looking for. It's in that menu. But if somehow that's the case, they don't like any of the three guys and they move back. I don't think you can be too angry. But I, I will be frustrated. And then you just get a king's ransom and you've put yourself on the clock though. It's the Rivera bit. My biggest annoyance with him was not just that he couldn't solve quarterback. It's that he couldn't solve quarterback after missing the opportunity to do so in his first hours on the job. Now, your first draft, you had the number two pick in a draft where there were a few excellent quarterbacks who have had really good careers. You opted out of that and then said, oh, man, it's hard to find a quarterback. It's just... And he just said that a million times after that. So hard. You guys don't know how hard it is. It's so hard. You have to try to find one, though, buddy. It is hard. It's harder when you're picking second and you say, nah, I'm good. Thanks, Justin Herbert. Let's go to the phones. Fill in the blank. 800-636-1067. So my answer was trading down would be a huge mistake. The blank after uh, trading down would be? Risky. Let's go to Gino in Silver Spring. Hey, Gino. Hey, gentlemen. For me, trading down would be great. Uh, going into this draft of all the possible outcomes, there is one trade-down scenario, which is my absolute favorite way for the franchise to move forward. And so hear me out real quick. You trade with Chicago. You trade Chicago the two-pick for Justin Fields. They don't have a second-rounder. Their third pick, which is number 75, their first pick, which is nine, and a third next year. You get Justin Fields. You go back to nine. You get their third pick and maybe some additional future picks. That is, for me, the best move that they can make as a team this year. What do y'all think? So what is, didn't sound like they gave up anything for Justin Fields then. I guess they give up, they, they swapped they once. Give us the they trade again? Two. Yeah, they so the Bears two. go up to two, and then as compensation right. for that, Washington gives Fields, up Fields. Okay. So you get Fields, their nine pick, their third round pick, which is 75, and maybe a future pick like a two next year. And for Chicago, it's really enticing. Hey, you get Caleb Williams. And Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. And then you wind up with what I feel. People are going to vary on fields. I get that. But I feel like he's just emerging as he gets into year four. I I would hope so. He's been in the league for 11 years. So the reason I I don't love that, and and I'm a fields guy, by the way. I don't think Grant is, but that's beside the point. That's a fair point. I, I like fields, but the the window for the whole point of like that young quarterback, A, you want good play. I mean, at the end of the day, good play, you just pay what you have to pay. Who cares? But waiting for the guy that hasn't done it yet after three-plus years to really do it at that high level and not using your first-round pick to start the clock over again, I mean, those years of an a rookie contract guy playing like a veteran are the most valuable thing you have in the sport. I, I want to shoot for that. And I know that may be picking some nits, but that's something that that's my goal in this draft. So first thing I want to do is say good call and thank that guy for offering a trade that is realistic in some way. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times people will call up and be like, what about this? What about 17 like ones for insane, right? So I, I, he's got some football chops and I, I appreciate that. You're not going to get me to agree to any trade where Justin Fields is the quarterback here next year. I'm over it. It, 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 he has been in the league for three years. Now, I don't do quarterback wins losses, but the Bears 
are 10-28 and 28 in the games when he's been on the field. He's not the sole reason why. It's not a particularly good team. This past season, in 13 games, he threw 16 touchdowns and completed 61% of his passes, which, by the way, was his highest completion percentage of his career. No thank you. Like, people are coming around on Justin Fields, and I get it. He is getting better. Each year, he's gone from 58% to 60% to 61%. His uh, you know, interception percentage has dropped from 3.7 to 3.5 to 2.4. His touchdown percentage was down a little bit this year, but went from 2.6 originally to 4.3 this year. Like He has absolutely improved each season, which I would say he had to because it was hard to get worse than the early thing. But also, you should do that. It's been three years, man. He has had 40 games, and people are like, he's starting to come into his own. God, I hope so. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. how long does it take? I, I have made up my mind. I think he is um, a great weapon. I think you can build a successful offense around him, and I think he could be a league average quarterback moving forward. Uh, he's also about to get paid huge money. And that's the biggest reason why I'm a. it's a no-for-me dog. You talk about all the picks you've added. You go get fields. You then immediately have to give him, at best, the Jordan Love contract to kind of get him paid for the next couple of seasons if you're betting on him being good, you know, like the Packers did. So he's immediately getting a nice little payday where he jumps into a different kind of stratosphere in terms of the contract. And as soon as he gets that one in place, now you're talking about him being closing in on a massive payday, right? So, no, thank you on that. I'm going to pick my own quarterback, or I'm going to go with someone who's proven it to a greater extent. Let's go to Jason in Bethesda. What's up, Jason? From Bethesda. Yeah, hey, hey guys, my two words would be uh, courageous, and uh, the second would be enticing. However, having said that, I hope they don't trade, make the trade. Um, I say courageous just because. Hypothetically, if uh, they do trade down and they get McCarthy or Penix or Knicks, and that quarterback is, you know, odds are with any quarterback, especially late first round, et cetera, is not going to be a franchise caliber quarterback. And the guy that they pass on, whether it's Daniels or Drake May, goes on to have to be a Pro Bowl franchise starting quarterback, then, you know, rightly so, I think everyone's going to hammer Peters for it. And it'll be a huge mistake that could be, you know, hard to overcome. Uh, if they do the smart thing and stay at number two, and May or Daniels doesn't pan out, and one of those quarterbacks that they could have potentially traded down for, like McCarthy, et cetera, goes on to have a better career, I don't think people are going to say, oh, you know, we really we should have traded down because, you know, you just can't predict that. I feel like in some cases you got to make a bold move. In some cases you just got to stay and do the safe play. And I feel like this year with the number two pick, the safe play and the smart thing is to take the guy that we think is going to be the best quarterback among the uh, options. Available. I think it's a sharp way to put it. I, so there's some of this has to matter in context, GP. And, here, and here's what I mean. If you do the thing that 99% of the other teams would do, it's hard It's hard to vilify you for it, right? Like there are years where, you know, like Zach Wilson went number two. There's probably 25 teams that would have taken him number two. So I know everybody looks at it as a miss, and we could talk about balls and strikes and say, hey, this, one did, this guy didn't work out and someone else picked out for him did. But that doesn't go as far as saying, you you shirked any opportunity to take a quarterback by moving back in the draft, figuring you just find one from the magic quarterback tree that Ron Rivera was looking under for for four years. You know, like the conventional thing, even though as as uh, to the caller's point, it's you kind of know when to hold them, know when to fold them. There, the conventional thing that's just the most normal 
take advantage of the opportunity, draft the highest ranked quarterback on everybody's board. And every Mel Kuyper says it's a good pick and field. Yates says it's good. And you know, uh, all the different uh, analysts on NFL network like it. That's a normal thing. And nobody's going to vilify you for that. If it doesn't work out to the same degree, I don't think. 800-636-1067 is the number. How would you feel about trading back? Fill in that blank for us. Trading down would be? That's the question on Grant and Danny. Drake May, to me, is is a unique talent for his size. He has all the arm talent you want. I think he forced the ball a lot this year because he didn't have the same type of playmakers. I think he is a very good athlete that can move and make some plays with his legs. They got an opportunity to say see him play live two years ago uh, against the Miami Hurricanes down here where I retired. And I just thought the ball just came off of his hands. And I, you can tell how gifted of a player he is. Rick Spielman, who joined us yesterday, if you missed our conversation with Spielman, uh, he was really good. Of course, he was uh, involved in hiring Adam Peters and Dan Quinn on the search committee for the commanders. Welcome back to G&D. You're listening to the fan talking about the possibility of trading back. How far back would you be willing to go, Danny? So they have the number two pick. You know, I would think you could probably get McCarthy as late as like 12 or 13 comfortably. Uh, who knows where Knicks and Penix and those guys are going to go. But if they trade back and still get a quarterback, it cushions the blow. That's like, my that's my criteria. You don't have to get, uh, you don't have to like McCarthy as much as Daniels or May. Like if you have McCarthy, you got one of the top guys in the class and it's a rookie and it's exciting and maybe he's really good. You got the potential that you hit a home run. Do you feel the same way about Penix or, or Knicks? Are they in the same category? Yeah, I mean, again, it's this is this is one of those tough things because I'm not the evaluator. I, I haven't grinded over the tape. I, I love Daniels. I like May a lot too. Kyler Williams is pretty cool. But like, but for you, yeah, like, if they traded back to twenty and got a boatload of picks and they took Michael Penix, you're cool with that? I'd go, okay. I I hope he's every bit as good as as his other guys, but like there is some degree of leeway that I'm I'm allowing Peters and company to maneuver. So that's interesting too. What you just said, you said I, I basically I hope they're right. Yeah. I mean, how much does it change if May and Daniels one or both are awesome? It's gonna like, change. It'll, it'll I'll be, I'll be watching. Part of the right? anger I had for Rivera on the Chase Young pick after the fact was not only what happened with Chase Young, which is a given, but let's say Chase Young turned into, I'm not going to put T.J. Watt or Miles Garrett on him, but let's just say good. You know, let, let's say he was Ryan that? Kerrigan. He was just a good first-round pick who had 10-11 sacks every single season. You still would have watched Justin Herbert out in L.A. with a wandering eye going, you got to be kidding me, Ron. You had a chance at that. You turned it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. And, and, so, like, I think if Drake May becomes a star and you got Penix, uh, unless... You the guy you pick's really good. I think that's going to reflect really badly. Yeah, I mean, if there's enough coming back, then maybe you have to add up all the picks. It's not just Penix. It's mm-hmm. Penix plus the linebacker plus the tackle plus the tight end, like whatever you do with but all really, the, picks. the 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 sort of case not case I'm trying to think of the my axiom or the thing that's important to me. I all those you still need cornerbacks. You need linemen and and linebackers and receivers and run, you, of course you have to field a roster of fifty three. Try to get the best players you possibly can. We know that, et cetera. 
it's all a waste of time. There's a reason you don't have an 11 win season since 1991. You haven't solved the most important position in sports. It's pretty simple, right? You've you've swung and missed time after time after time after time with quick fix after quick fix. And I know the draft picks didn't work. I know Heath Schuler didn't work. I know Robert Griffin didn't work outside of that one year. I get it. If you don't end up with the dude, that's all window dressing. You know what I mean? It's like the foundation is shot, your house is on fire, but you got new drapes. It's all a waste of time. At its core, maybe what this really is is just a debate about roster building or quarterback acquisition, right? Because we don't know if the number two pick is a home run. There's no way to figure that out in real time. It's a crapshoot. But you're debating building everything else up and finding the quarterback later, kicking the can down the road, or shooting your shot right here, right now. And for me, it's simple. I'm the closest to the target I'm going to be. The target is the the biggest it will be. I've got the best weapon I'm possibly going to have in the form of that number two pick. I'm going to shoot my shot this moment. It's that Wolf of Wall Street harpoon that that they're talking about to nail the whales, right? Eventually, I've got to catch a fish. So I can either put my hook in right now when I'm, you know, fishing in a bucket, basically, or I've got to wait till I'm in a pool and have to still catch a fish later. I'm doing it right now, giving myself the best shot, taking the QB. A question for you guys, the way we're steering this at 800-636-1067. You're filling in a blank for us. Trading down from the second pick, moving back would be? How do you fill that blank in? Let's go to Ellis in D.C. on Grant and Danny. What's up, Ellis? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Hey, buddy. I love the show. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I would be elated. Elation is my my word. I think um, the reason quarterbacks succeed that high is they already have the foundation. So I would trade back, get that foundation. If you look at um, what's what's my guy's name? If you look at C.J. Stroud, the reason he was so successful last year is they already had a line. They had a, a All Pro left tackle to watch his back, and it's the same thing like draft after draft, you need that line first. The only quarterback who didn't have a line that was successful drafting that high was Joe Burrow. And look at look at him not having a line. Look what it, that's done to his career. Um, so I would trade back, maybe trade to Atlanta. What would Atlanta do to jump up to number two, right? Trade back to Atlanta, pick up a number one pick. And then that fourth pick is, is super valuable. I trade back from number four. Everybody's going to want um, Marvin Harrison Jr. I might pick up another number one trade a number four. Now I got two number ones next year, and then I draft my quarterback. So who's next your quarterback? Year I build the line. Who's, who's your who's quarterback? Going to be my quarterback this year. I actually like what the caller said earlier, um, and I know you guys don't want to go over it again, um, but I like Justin Fields. I give okay. him a second or third. And, but but long Fields. term, so Fields is your answer? No, no. Fields would be my answer for the next two years. Okay. And when I build my line, I draft a quarterback next year. It, only, so the, the issue with that, and it's a, thank you for the call. Thanks, buddy. Next year's quarterback class, as of right now, looks bad. And that could change, but it will not be this year's. You're not going to have a trio like this year's, pretty definitively. So that's the problem. A lot of teams are actually, it sounds like, moving up or considering overdrafting a QB this year. McCarthy maybe going in the top 10 is a great example because next year's class isn't as good. So if you want to draft one, kind of now's the time. That's one issue with that philosophy. I, I don't have to be a big fields guy. Um, we could disagree on that, but really that's a, a small part of it. Uh, before we get back into the draft thing, I do want to 
point this out because I feel like I'm always beating up Fields. I did see one tweet today that was very pro-Justin Fields where if you compare his numbers and Lamar Jackson's numbers over the last 17 games, they're pretty similar for what that's worth. Now, I always think these stats are kind of dumb because Fields is playing from behind in almost every single game, so he's throwing it more and he's you know playing hero ball more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Big plays are going to be given up way more frequently by defenses that are in prevent versus Lamar, who's always often playing in the lead. And, you know, it's just not as friendly. But having said that, last 17 games, Fields 29 touchdowns, Jackson 24. Fields 4,100 total yards, Jackson 4,400. Fields 19 giveaways, Jackson 15. Rating 85 versus 94, which mm. is actually not that close at all. Uh, but look. It's still instructive. One of those guys is the MVP. The other, you know, everyone is kind of down on. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, to, to balance out my I want nothing to do with Justin Fields take. Um, second, he, he referenced the Texans line this year as like this awesome thing for uh, for CJ Stroud. Stroud. They were ranked 26th in the NFL at the end of last season by PFF via all their metrics. That was not a good line. Uh, Stroud's actually the opposite example, I think, of what he just used him for. Stroud is a, oh, my God, look what that guy did because he was so great. Not because the team was great. And yes, Laramie Tunsil's a really good player, by the way. Laramie's that was a foundational awesome. piece. But yeah, yeah the, the rest of it is, you know, I don't know how. Kenyon Green, yeah. Scott Quisenberry, A.J. Can, Titus Howard. Like, that was their line the season before. So, to me, I look at C.J. Stroud and I go, you know, first-time offensive coordinator. Might be pretty good, it seems like. First-time head coach. Might be pretty good, it seems like. Tank Dell was kind of not expected to be a stud. Might be pretty good, it seems like. They put some things around him. Nico Collins just became a beast. That guy's all of a sudden one of the better receivers in the league. Yeah, they went and got Dalton Schultz. Easily controllable, help you know, helpful piece for not that much money. Decent situation. Not great. Mm-hmm. I think C.J. Stroud is one of those guys that would have been really good anywhere. You know, Burrow with the Bengals. Changed the culture around from an organization that hadn't won in decades and decades and decades. Like Some guys are the break glass in case of emergency dude. Seems like Stroud might have been that guy. Alex, Mechanicsville, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call, you guys. You uh, bet. My point, my word is ecstatic uh, for trading back, but it's with a caveat that there's only one specific trade that I really like, and that's trading back to number three with New England. I think that is the most ideal scenario because we know out of these top three quarterbacks, at least one's probably going to be good. At least one's probably going to be a bust. And nobody can really know for sure. No matter how great of a talent evaluator Adam Peters is, people get this this top quarterback draft pick wrong totally. all the time. So I want to I want to hope that New England falls in love with somebody. I'm not even trying to pilfer them and take the craziest draft haul of all time from them. Just give me a couple extra picks. Let me trade back and soften the blow in case I get the one guy who is a bust, but still give me a shot at one of those three guys. I don't- Appreciate Thanks, you, buddy. Bro. You're now having your quarterback picked for you then, Danny. In other words, you're getting whoever's left of the big three. And that, and then a couple leaps have to happen, right? Let's just say for the sake of argument that different attributes, obviously, but the overall grade, I just keep making all these numbers. Drake May, eight. Jaden Daniels, eight. Happy with either one. I'll take extra picks and, and the player. Very rare that that's the case. Yeah, there, I can't imagine any way that you didn't have a preference. Right. You know, they're so different, right? But let's say that you don't. Let's say that you it's a dead heat. You, one way or the, like the other, it doesn't really matter at all. You like them equally. 
That's the only way that would work, is if all three quarterbacks are identical on your board, and you go, it, it doesn't matter even a little bit. With a decision this big, I don't know how that would be possible. It's like getting married or something. Like, yeah, I mean, I could tomorrow I'm going to be engaged. It could be to Beth or it could be to Susie. One way or the other, I'll be with one of them the rest of my life. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like The Bachelorette or something. Yeah, whichever like, one shows up. I would imagine you're going to have a preference. And if you do, then you can't do that because then you're just being handed the third guy. Here's a You were doing a weird hypothetical earlier. I'll do mm-hmm. one. If if it's if you know who the Patriots are taking, like you've lied to them, let's say Washington really likes Jaden Daniels, and you know that the Patriots are all over Drake May, and you've lied to them and you let them, you, like you made them think that you're taking Drake May, mm-hmm. and you know they're coming up to get him. I, how that would be, I don't know, but like you are convinced that you're sure that they're taking the other guy, then it's possible. But again, that is not really how it all works. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I'm opposed to that. I think too important a decision. The whole reason we're excited to have Adam Peters and and Lance Newmark in this new group is because we think they're pretty smart and they might be good at this. They should probably be picking between the two rather than letting, with all due respect, the Patriots. Letting someone else do it. Horrendous front office over the last several years. Partly rebuilt, but a kind of a, a new group in their own right. Pick the quarterback for you. I'll take my chances with Peters and Newmark. Are you surprised by how many people want to trade back? Nope, I'm telling you. This this is what this this fan base is conditioned. I think people are nervous about being wrong. Yeah. I don't mean themselves, but I think they're petrified that the commanders are going to get it wrong. And that's why we're hearing what we're hearing. It's it's twofold. One, it's the offensive line was great in the 80s and people will never think about anything other than that. Right. The, Quarterback's the, not that. Yeah, important. it's this magic formula that all they have to do is run the ball behind a great offensive line and the whole thing will be over. The second is touch the hot pot a couple times with high draft picks that were quarterbacks and it didn't work. I really believe that. 800-636-1067 is the number. Grant and Danny on the fan. What's with the unfollow Wait. with the Bears? What's up with that? Man, bro, I'm glad we're talking about it because people, why do people take social media so serious? Like, <laughs> but like why, why are you not following the Bears? This and that. Like, I still mess with the Bears. This and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I, I follow the Bears and the NFL, bro. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. Like, mm. I know y'all mess with a girl, EQ, especially you. Just because you don't follow the girl on IG don't mean you're not messing with them. That's true. That's true. That's facts. That's facts. But you, you follow Gianna, right? Hmm? But listen, listen, me, yeah, that's, that's, that's my bro. girlfriend though. That's different. But I'm saying like when you're single, it's you really messing with the girls you don't follow more than the girls you follow. You, you know feel me? So that was Justin Fields on a podcast with the brothers St. Brown in the NFL. Amon Ra and Equimanimanius. Equimanimanius. St. Brown. You know, St. Brown. I believe it's actually Equiminius, but for some reason, I always add a number in there. I, I I throw an N in there, yeah. and I hope that nobody asks any follow ups. Equi- it's not just Equiminius; that's too easy. It's Equiminius, right? No. Hmm. Okay. Equiminius, which is way easier than I would have expected, and Amon Ra, who's my guy. That's a that's a top ten or so wide receiver in the league. He's the terrific. Really he's open good. every time. Yeah, he stays open, operating out of the slot. Uh, but that was Fields suggesting, and the, the big story this week was 
He unfollowed the Bears on all social platforms. His dog did as well. And so everyone was like, oh, he clearly doesn't want to be back with the Bears or doesn't think he's going to be back with the Bears. What do you make of his logic? Like, he's away from football, and he doesn't want to think about football. He doesn't want it filling up his timeline. When you go on vacation, do you unfollow the station and all things DC Yeah, you sports? know how I do it. No, of course not. It's it's nonsense. Do you buy that at all? Not even a little bit. I kind of do. I don't. And I, I, and I appreciate him doing that for some reason. But, if, like, then why do it in the first place if you're not going to own it? See what I'm saying? Well, because he might have actually unfollowed them, not because he's ready to move on from the Bears, but because... Like, he does not want to see, like, the Bears are tweeting uh, at Caleb Williams' workout. And, like, maybe he just doesn't like, I mean, the, the, the social team is is generating excitement for the offseason. So, we're on the clock, you know, all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's bad for him. Maybe he doesn't like it. Maybe he doesn't want it in his headspace. I don't know. I don't know. It seems pretty easy to not look at it or mute it or do something. It's pretty simple. No one would know if you muted the Bears. But you you did a thing. It might be time for a Twitter poll right now. I tweeted today. I learned. That's what the kids say, right? I was today years old. T I L. A stunning amount of Commanders fans want to trade back from number two, something that I am not for. And uh, at least on social media, the, a lot of responses immediately are like, "I don't get it. This is crazy." But I'm t- almost most of the calls we've hit. I'm telling and you, I'm dude. Taking them as they're coming in one by one. We got a lot still to get to, but. It has been surprising. This feels like the perfect time. For me to, I can't really crack these knuckles. Can you do it? Not, nah. Let me see if I can get one. There's nothing happening. Eh, there you, you got go. a little one. You got a little cracky cracks. Yeah. It's time for me to crack these knuckles and do a Twitter poll. I got to use my microphone glass. Microphone glass. All right. So how do we want to do this? We want to go trade up. Trade back. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I was going to say make a pick. But well, why don't we go take May, take Daniels? What do we think? I see what you're doing. You're, so you're going to offer four choices or three? Four choices. Four choices. Trade up, trade back, take May, take Daniels. All right. Uh, the commanders, uh, the best option. How do I want to say that The option that will make you the happiest, the commander's decision with a number two pick. That will make you the happiest. All right. Polls going live. Here we go. We'll do it live. Trade up. Trade back. Take May. Take Daniels. Now, I'm not going to say trade up for Williams, but I think that's probably what it would be, right? Can you imagine if they traded up for Joe Alt? Just took a tackle. They're like, they go up to number one. Everyone's like high-fiving, purchasing Caleb Williams jerseys. They're on the clock for number 10. Bottom of the screen forever. It says pick is in. You know, Field Gates is on the coverage for some reason, talking about how they got their guy. Mm -hmm. Caleb Williams time. And then they they pick Joe Alt. I'll be steamed. As someone who's a little dubious about Caleb Williams, give me Joe Alt at number one in that situation. Although, you know what I would do? Trade up to number one. I think I'm ready to go hard in the paint on this. If they traded up to number one, which I would not do for the record. Want nothing to do with trading. But in a world where they've traded up to number one and they come to me and they go, you're making the call. With the first pick, if the pick is in there, you probably don't. With the first pick, in the 2024 NFL Draft, the Washington Commanders select Drake May, University of North Carolina. All-time bet. Caleb Williams just fell to number two. I'm taking Drake number one. I know you would. You would take him over all others. I have to. I believe in the player. Let's go to PJ and Reston. 
Hey, guys, it's always a privilege to get on there. So I agree with you guys. I, we got to stay in the top three. Um, I'm, I would be godsmacked. That's the word I would use. I'd be godsmacked if we traded out Godsmacked or gobsmacked? Uh, whichever is the correct one. One's a band. The other, would you'd be like a gay I think you're looking band. for gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. I think you're right. I, I, I was trying to be a little bit smarter than I thought. <laughs> no, I was. but I, I kind of like uh, it. You're an American rock band from Lawrence, Massachusetts, formed <laughs> in 1995. A lead singer, rhythm guitarist, Sully Erna. I get it. Yeah. I saw them at the HFS Festival, by the way. They weren't oh. my favorite, but but they were good. They were good. Back when the HFS Festival was loaded. Like, this is like 25 years ago. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. But um, so what I would do is this, right? I would do the, the most safe thing of probably state number two. Now, I would do two mild trade attempts from leverage. I would do an offer to the Bears that they probably won't take, but I would float this out there. Instead of trading draft capital. I would do this with the Bears, right? I would say, hey, uh, we will offer you our number two. We'll get you number one. You can pick between either Jonathan Allen or Deron Payne and next year's second rounder. They're probably going to say no to that. But just in case they really want to. <laughs> I love when you propose a trade. You know, they're say yes. probably going to say no. Always the good start of a negotiation for sure. All right, we'll update the poll next on G&D. First time this draft season. We're looking into the possibility of trading back and whether it would be worth it for Washington on Grant and Danny. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.